on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will dive headfirst into shallow water as they review and break down the penultimate episode of Andor's first season. Will B2 become K2? Is Luthen a Force user? How hard will Serial fail? All these questions and more will be speculated on by the SWTS bros in this episode of the series. They'll also talk about Disney's CEO shakeup and what it could mean for Star Wars, as well as a treat for Jedi lovers at this year's Game Awards. Of course, the show will end with the Question of the Week responses and the latest round of Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features. Punch it, Chewie! again how about hey now everybody it's matt it's nick and we are back for a new episode of the swts for those keeping score that stands for star wars time show you dig it's time to get down youtube of course if you're on the live stream we'd love for you to join if you're not 230p or as close as we can get est on youtube youtube.com slash star wars time show and right now I'm having a, I'm, I'm guessing YouTube is probably looking a little wonky for people, but as always, we're green on our side. Blame Google, blame the muskrats, blame who you got to blame, but it's not our fault that the video probably sucks right now. All right, so we, we got some fun stuff to talk about today. Not a lot of stuff, but uh, obviously we've got the penultimate episode of Andor to dig into, review, deep dive, break it down, flip it around, do what we do on a new episode of SWTS. I've got all sorts of tangents I want to go on with my friend Nick today to kind of see where his Jedi brain or Sith brain, depending on the week, might be uh, uh, kind of might be angling towards. Uh, a lot of stuff on Luthen, and I, and I know uh, one six shooter brought this up weeks ago, but I want to dive back into Luthen's possible past connections to the Force, so on and so forth. So we got that to look forward to after our breakdowns. We've got some Bob Iger stuff. He's back, taking over the reins as CEO at Disney. What what could that mean for Star Wars, Star Wars movies? You know, some people may be, yay, yay, Bob's back. But you got to remember, Bob's the one that fucked everything up with The Last Jedi and Solo. So let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit on Big Bobby Boy's return. We've got some Jedi Survivor news coming for you. I mean, we are locked and loaded. But before we get there, since this is the Star Wars Time Show, it's perfect time to talk about Slumberland! That's right, my friends. This is the Slumberland Time Show. We've reskinned, we've given up our love for Star Wars, and now we are all in on Netflix-produced movies starring Jason Momoa. Um, in all seriousness, though, it's pop culture talk, right? We do this. We, we try to give all of you degenerates out there, you geeks, you nerds, something to look forward to and waste your time on when you probably should be doing something more productive during your day. Uh, and today's pick 
is Slumberland, which came out last week. It's on Netflix, stars Jace Momoa and newcomer Marlo Barkley. And Nick, I have to say, this is one of those movies where the critics and the audience are on completely different ends of the spectrum. And I'm going to lean with the audience. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, Slumberland, as of yesterday, was sitting at a very horrific 37% tomatoes score. But audience has it tracking at 87%. And being someone that consumed it this past weekend, like I said, I have to go with the audience on this one. Um, now, Nick, I'm not saying this is a movie maybe for you and Taylor. I, I think you might enjoy it, but this is definitely a great flick for those families out there. Okay. Uh, in particular, and, and I think one of the reasons I, I initially latched into it, 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 for families that may be uh, broken, you know, single parents, uh, parent died, stuff like that, but more importantly, dad's with little ladies because <laughs> uh, that, that's really what this movie kind of focuses on this this young girl and uh, she's an only child from a, a family that is broken due to her mother passing away so being a father myself and having a little girl it definitely you know scratched some of those those uh those itches i like when i watch family movies yeah uh, momoa I saw the the trailer for it, but we definitely like I, I think it was like one of those ones that like they put right up front and center on Netflix, no matter who you are when you turn it on. Uh, that and and Netflix gave it no attention for promotion. Like it that, just kind of yeah. showed that, up. You know Netflix what I mean? is doing that for a lot of stuff now, because apparently <laughs> there's one new show that just came out or that that Warrior Nun season two. Um Right. And people no. are like, we need a season three, and I've never even watched season yeah, one. You but know? like, no promotion on it, and apparently, it's like it, the top three most watched seasons yeah. of new huh. new TV on Netflix. So, very interesting. Yeah, I've I've had it in my list, but I don't know about you, Nick. Does your Netflix list just grow and always grow. keep growing instead <laughs> yeah. of shrinking? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we watched the first two episodes of Warrior Nun. Two or three, and it wasn't bad. Didn't, it was didn't kind suck of, in. It, it it was interesting, but it was also like it. There was it was just weird. It was like it was yeah. like religious kind of. It was almost like Constantine, but with like teenagers as like the because yeah, yeah. it's like you know religious people fighting against the demonic forces, stuff like that. It, I mean, it was worth a watch to see, but well, uh, I mean, didn't suck after three much. episodes, if it didn't convince you to keep going, I may just scratch it off my list at this point. I, I do need to whittle that fucker thing down because it's like <laughs> uh, it's the list of titles that are forgotten. I mean, that that's all these lists are. Yeah, because if you really wanted to fucking watch something, you'd probably just watch it. Right. We 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 use this. Oh, I'll come back to it. My list, my list, my list. And as Nick said, and as I'm I'm saying here. You know, you look at your list at the end of the year and you've added 50 new titles to it without removing any. So, uh, but, but yeah, um, apparently Netflix, I don't know if they they didn't love the movie finished product, but they didn't really put much into a promo machine, but that doesn't matter if you're a sub and you need a, a flick to watch Slumberland is a good one, especially uh, with with Thanksgiving coming up, the holidays coming up. This is a movie I could see families getting around, sitting around the fire, maybe parents having a, a drink or two, or whatever type of meds they need to get through the day, and and thrown on Slumberland. But it's just I don't know. It, it's a movie that my kid 
the morning after we watched it, she rewatched it. I'm already feeling a pull to watch it again with her. So mm-hmm. it's one of those types of movies. Apparently, it's Nick. It's based on the the Little Nemo stories. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I, I mean, it's got some of that in there. Her name is Nemo. Uh, but Momoa, it, it's one of the most unique performances I've seen from him. He's really fun in it. He plays a very different type of character. Although it's also character I could see him channeling if he's had a few too many beers and you're just hanging out and your boys. Um, but it's 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 fun. Like I said, it, it's it's a good family movie. And if you're a daughter, no. How about if you're a father? Of a daughter who's an only child, uh, there's no way it's not going to make you feel something. So there you go. Slumberland. Uh, good one to check out this weekend if you got family, friends, little kids coming over. Uh, it, it, it's well worth sitting around and kind of making yourself feel some of those emotions <laughs> when it comes to family. <sighs> so, yeah, that's that's really all I had. I mean, I'm, I'm still playing Modern Warfare 2. I have not checked out God of War yet. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played any new games. I'm still playing that Scarlet Nexus game kind of slowly. Definitely am not going to touch Modern Warfare or God of War for a while. Modern Warfare, I probably won't play at all. And then um, uh, God of War, I def- I want to finish. I have to finish the first one and I want to finish. Oh, yeah, but that's, like, right. that's just, why like, you're... Yeah, that's why you're slow on that. I'm just an asshole. Yeah, like I just uh, yeah, I don't know why. Like it's it's just one of those things where it's like I haven't been motivated to play it, you know, I but then again, I I I haven't been motivated to play most games recently. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm in one of those funks, too. These days, I kind of go in and out of wanting the game. And even when I'm really into it, I can't really game for more than an hour and a half, two hours. I, I just I don't know if I lose interest or if I've had enough of my brain rot out to that. I just. I need to do something else. It's like, all right, what's next? I'm, I'm bored. I, I sadly, and this is a true loss to my life to me. I don't think I'll ever be able to just have all day gaming sessions ever again. Even when my parental responsibilities uh, can be relinquished. I just, <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to be in me. You know, man, you know, you know, those days on, on, on like a Saturday or Sunday, I remember I'd game from fucking 12 until 12 or 12 until 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. Take taking breaks to eat, maybe say hi to the wife, watch a show, then then right back on the console. So uh, it, it does bum me out, but I don't know. I, I just think that's the nature of my uh, projection at this point in time. I've by becoming someone in the gaming media, I, I more or less killed my my love and passion for the medium. Uh, but even being out of it, I'm I'm in a different spot in my life. I'm a dad. I want to be around my family while my kid still likes me and wants to do stuff. You know, this weekend, instead of sitting around playing Modern Warfare all Saturday, we went bowling and then had a nice lunch before the Buckeye game it almost gave me a heart attack. But that's the type of stuff I want to do now. Yeah, I think you know, that like, I want to be for, I want to be a present father. Sue me. <laughs> for me, I think one of the big things was is like a lot of these big publishers and stuff like that are just leaning on already established franchises that they're kind of running into the ground. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can still do it well, like God of War. You know, the the God of War 2018 reboot, I think, was either up for game of the year or one game of the year. And then God of War Ragnarok, from what everybody is saying, is probably going to be up for or win game of the year as well. So it's still like 
you know, there's still some freshness and some, some, some good times to be had there. But like, I've been playing God of War for fucking almost 20 years at this point. It's like, I, I, I kind of want new stuff. And I think that's why I was sucked into this Scarlet Nexus game because it was not an established IP, at least that I was familiar with. It might've spun off of something like a JRPG in the past. Um, but it was relatively new IP. I wasn't familiar with it. it. Had fun gameplay mechanics that I that I still enjoy playing over twenty hours in, and like, but if you look at all of these other consoles and stuff like that, it's like, what's the new shit that they're showing? Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks interesting. I didn't like Final Fantasy fifteen. I might get into that one. God of War. Like I said, been playing God of War for twenty years. Modern Warfare. Who gives a fuck about Modern Warfare? You've been making Call of Duty games for. God knows how long, uh, battlefield, like all, all these, like, like they're leaning so heavily on all of these franchises that are just like, so fucking played out that nothing that I don't get excited to see a trailer for a game franchise that's been around for more than two decades. Yeah. It just doesn't do it for me anymore. I think, I think we need another new shirt from Adrian. What was the one last week? That was, a, that was going to be a good one too, but the, the one this week should just be for Nick. Fuck franchises like just, that it gets boring man you're you're not wrong I, but i just i think i've i've just kind of glossed over the entire gaming industry it's just that when it made its shift to streamers and influencers and all that stuff i was like eh i kind of like traditional gaming media i like the websites hell i like the fucking magazines i i, I never i never understood how how people and i guess I shouldn't say it because we're live streaming, mm-hmm. but I, I've never understood how people people could just sit there for hours and watch a gamer play a game with the gamer's picture um, superimposed on the video game screen. I it just game streaming never quite made sense to me, but it's it's huge. I mean, people people make millions of dollars a month streaming games because oh, yeah. people just sit there and watch people play games. It's wild. Oh, well, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> fucking first world white people problem time uh but yeah it sucks i, I i'm with you i, I would like I, it would be great to have that feeling again of i would go wait in line at midnight to play this game there and i just one, i have not i've not felt that for years there's one game that is that i'm actually tracking and it's called forespoken it's a, a square enix game coming out in january and it's mm. like an action RPG oriented game and new franchise. Like obviously uh, Square Enix is a very well-respected developer known for a lot of RPG titles. Does it have a dummies difficulty setting for me? I have like no Final idea Fantasy about that. Remake? <laughs> I don't, I don't know uh, it, that particular thing, but the world itself looks incredible. I mean, I know that every game looks incredible now because graphical fidelity has gotten so much easier for even indie developers to to develop with. Um, but like motion looks cool. Main character looks cool. Like combat looks cool and all of the, the different uh, trailers that I've seen and stuff. So like that's the one game where I'm like, when Forspoken comes right. out, I will play it when it hits. So... Now, will you stay up and play it as soon as it opens or oh, will, you, will you will you sleep and wake up and then fire it up? Yeah, I mean, I don't have I don't there is nothing <laughs> in my life that I that I like sit up 
until like that's what i mean do, do, do you miss end. that at all though nick or we just become two angry old curmudgeons i don't miss it because like i think the i think when i was a kid it was just like you knew you had limited time and you also knew that like if you were you know playing video you, like you just couldn't play games during certain times like you couldn't play yeah. games while you were at school you couldn't and like as an adult it's easier for you to make time to play it yeah, um, so. especially with with our work life balance, I I do get yeah. that. I guess I'm more talking with the 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 lack of anticipation. You know, like I I don't anticipate much anymore. I I guess you could argue I do for new Star Wars shows because why else would I fucking wake up so early naturally? So there is some of that excitement. I can remember even for Tross, even knowing the whole fucking plot, the the few days leading up to seeing it in theaters. I had that 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 nervous energy, you know, that it's like borderline dangerous anxiety, but you're excited, <laughs> little kid Christmas Eve type of shit. And I just I don't really feel that anymore for for much of anything. I mean, maybe if we get Star Wars movies and yes, the Star Wars shows, I get a little bit, but video games, not at all. And that bums me out because I used to live for e3s and trailer drops and midnight releases and uh, all that shit's gone I, I think the only game that could potentially get me all worked up would be a a open world star wars game that's not cal kestis okay <laughs> i'm gonna i want to i want to put that out there not cal kestis not that stupid fucking elden rings sword swinging gameplay uh, but but like that, you know, like a Mandalorian open world adventure game that would where be fun. you where, where it's kind of the world is like Ghost of Tsushima and you have these three main islands that make up the three main acts and each island has its own little story. But then each island has a bunch of shit to do, like important shit and time killing shit. I think that would be spectacular, but clearly no one at LucasArts or uh, Lucasfilm Publishing or anyone that has access to the video game license for Star Wars thinks that's way. So I think, you know, I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm never going to be excited for a game again because that game is never going to exist. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see once this, like, you know, once other developers get fully into their development process for, um, you know, for new Star Wars games outside of EA, what they look like once they start to release trailers. There's some hope for the Ubisoft game, which is supposed to be open world. So um, definitely interested to see how that all plays out once those games are farther into development. We can start to see them. But yeah, I mean, right now, the, the Star Wars game landscape is kind of like dead. It's weak. Fortunately. Yeah, we, we've got some news. To, hey, Charlie, do you want to tell everyone, did you like Slumberland? Oh, yeah, I think I might watch it like the third time. Third time? Look all right. That. Okay. I was telling them that you and I really enjoyed it. Ah, uh, all right. Well, good to have you back. See you later. <laughs> so there you go. Ringing endorsement from a six and a half year old slumberland. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> she's, she's, it's very hard as it probably was for our elders to convince these little people that growing up sucks and that you should not be pining away to add years to your life. I get it. No one wants to listen to us people. She'll figure it out when she's my age going, shit, I wish I 
embraced my childhood, but you know, she's, she's six. She wants to be fucking seven. When she's seven, she's going to want to be 10. That's <laughs> how it goes. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. No, no spoilers for Slumberland. That's not how we roll. Joey C, you know that. Yeah, Tones. I mean, Tones has been pitching this open-world Mando Red Dead game, and then that's pretty much what I'm talking about. I'd probably, I'd like it more in the in the tone of Ghost of Tsushima. But yes, that that that's all we need. It really is. That that's what we need. Uh, Tones has another new streamer movie recommendation that I also want to get in on, and that is Spirited on Apple TV Plus. I think it's a new Christmas movie with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. So. That's that's going to get added to the list. Also, according if, to my wife, we're, we weren't allowed to start watching Christmas movies until this weekend coming up. So. <laughs> um, if you do, if you do like um, if you do have Apple TV plus uh, do yourself a favor, watch Mythic Quest. If you haven't watched it yet, they're into season three right now or yeah. Or is it season two? No, it's, see, I think dude, it's season two. I, I can't remember if I watched season two and I go to my TV plus and it doesn't have the completion bar up. So yeah. But anyway, like, I guess that means I, I didn't watch it, but it's one of these shows where I feel like mushy brain may have failed me here. It's so good. I mean, like if you are a big fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it's made by that same crew. Um, Rob McElhaney is is one of the main characters um he plays mac obviously in uh always sunny um he got rickety cricket from always sunny in there as a main character and then a lot of the same writers from always sunny are also working on uh mythic quest it's a fun show about like a comedy show about the game development industry following yeah. uh rob mccallini's character who's the creator of this game series called uh or this this big mmo game called mythic quest so uh, do and yourself this, a favor. This is a show, Nick, that got a little fucked by the pandemic in terms of it. It, it built up a bunch of steam after season one, but then there's like this long wait to get to season two. They even did like a remote COVID esque episode where all the stars pretended they were working on Mythic Quest using Zoom like we all did at the onset yeah. of the pandemic. So, yeah, I, I think I just need to restart season two and, and move into three because you're not wrong. That is a. It is a good show. Yeah. Um, and, and what's his name? Apparently, uh, was it McElhaney? Like, uh, his Welcome to Wrexham is apparently a banger. It is. With, with Ryan Reynolds, too. So. Oh, yeah. It's very good. That's on Hulu. It's like a docuseries that follows their it's purchase. Too much shit and- to watch, Nick. Weren't we just <laughs> talking about fucking my list and it growing too large? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I want to check out that 1899 from the people that made Dark, even though I never saw Dark, but uh, it looks good. It looks interesting. My type of shit. It's never ending, man. I mean, it's just... You really... And here's the, the the sickening part of it. There's so much content, but I don't know if you're like me. Every night, I still find myself going to all my goddamn apps and reminding myself of how much content there is, but then not watching any of the content. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, do, uh, do, do you do that, or is that a me thing, where it's like, oh, it's on Prime Video. Oh, yeah, that, 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 my list, my list. Oh, well... I should check Netflix just in case there might be something better. Oh, well, nope. Well, let me check HBO. Oh, nope. Well, let me go to Hulu. You know, it, it, it's a we, cycle of death. We definitely do that dance a bit um, every night when we're like trying to decide, <laughs> trying to decide what we want to watch and stuff. So, yeah, this, that is a familiar uh, parlance to us. I hate <laughs> I hate it. And I feel like it, it, it's it's a mental problem. You know Dude, what I mean? Because. <laughs> 
Why can't we just make a choice, man? Why can't we just hit play instead of thinking that there's always going to be another better option? You I think know what I mean? Sometimes it's it's more about like, hey, what what like what's a comfort show that we could put on in the background? We know we're not going to be paying a ton of attention here. So like, <laughs> yeah, let's watch something we don't want to watch. Yeah, I mean, like w- one of the things for us recently is uh, we we started rewatching Arrested Development. Just because we're like, go. we like that fucking show. The show is funny. Um, you know, I get that. I, I get that. Cause I have a period of my night where I'm still fucking around with star Wars galaxy heroes, but I want something on the TV. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of opposite of you where when I'm fucking on my phone, I would, I want to put up something that I don't, I I've either have seen before or I don't necessarily care if I miss the, the nitty gritty. But there are times where I do, I'm trying to, you know, hey, phone, you go on the other side of the fucking couch so I don't touch you. And and like a normal person uh, in, uh, you know, 20th century style, I just want to watch a program in one program, not look at phones, tablets, watches, so on and so forth. But even then, I, I still have a hard time making a choice. Like, okay, go. Uh, the, the most recent is this ancient apocalypse series on Netflix oh, yeah. with some guy that that's like trying to prove that there was a, a, a civilization, an advanced civilization prior to what historians, archaeologists and geologists claim was the first civilization. Yeah, actually, like somebody I said, did wow, recommend wow, wow that for to us. us too. one of Taylor's co-workers was like, hey, if y'all like, you know, kind of like weird out there stuff. Check but here's the, I, it's not even like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs conspiracy shit. Like the guy, this Graham dude, his theories make a ton of sense. And, and I understand academia and how it will dig its heels in and it will not consider any sort of alternate facts or real facts that could change what they have deemed to be true history. Uh, the guy makes a lot of good points and, and, and I kind of buy into what he's saying. Uh, I, I, he's been on Rogan and all that stuff, but I, I, I don't think he's a kook. He's just someone that he's like, listen, we're allowed to question our own existence and, and where we came from and who were the first advanced humans. And look, there's a lot of signs that, that humanity was way more advanced at one point in time. And then due to cataclysm, apocalypse, the floods, the climate, that civilization was wiped out and we essentially had to restart from zero. But that's also why some of these earlier civilizations that we do mark as real civilizations were able to do crazy shit because some of these survivors of the ancient civilizations were probably alive and showed them, this is how you move big stones easy. This is why you look at the sky. The sky can help you do this, this type of shit. So, yeah, yeah, um, I, I did dig that. I, I'm not much into conspiracies and that type of shit, but... It's not a conspiracy. The guy's just trying to, like, listen, sometimes we got to take what the earth is giving us and, and not get so rooted in our our academic expertise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> so, check right. it out, too. There's a lot of stuff out there, as we've been saying for the, the it, last it's 20 too years. Much, so man. It's, just, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And tomorrow I'm going to go see Strange World, the new Disney movie that's got the far right all worked up because... I don't know. There's like insinuated gay feelings or something. So there you go. Uh, 
uh, I can't wait. Yeah, there you go. Joey C, bring the giant humans back. That's right. They were all giants back then. Hey, it is good. It is good. Check it out. I mean, it, it's definitely something good, too, if you, uh, if you medicate and you like to think about that type of stuff. It's one of those types of shows. Because The guy has me convinced in that there was a, an ancient advanced civilization. And by advanced, I'm not saying they had fucking space lasers and, and guns. They were just... Atlantis was probably a real thing. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, like they were advanced for that time, way more advanced than people living in holes and caves. All right. (laughs) Make America giants again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was not me. That's Joey C. And by the way, Joey C is a, it's actually my, my little cousin. He's a tough guy though. He's a real wrestler, MMA jujitsu motherfucker. So you gotta watch out for him. Oh shit. He actually, he's someone that took our short muscular stature and used it the way you're supposed to. Like <laughs> grappling and, and kicking ass instead of trying to play football and sports where you should be tall and muscular. So good for him. Uh, everyone, anytime people see me when I wasn't like a big fat ass, they're like, oh man, you must have been a good wrestler. I'm like, nope, <laughs> sure as fuck wasn't. Uh, I did it in middle school and I hated it because it was too hard. Uh, all right, man. We tell them. That there's always time for Star Wars time. So I guess 30 minutes in, it's time to start talking about some Star Wars. I guess so. <laughs> and and that Star Wars happens to be what I still consider and, and what will go down, at least to those that give it time and the respect it deserves. Uh, one of the greatest adult-centric, dramatic, gritty Star Wars live-action series of all time, and that is our friend Andor, Cassian Andor, a.k.a. Keith Gergo, mm. a.k.a. Cassa. All right, we had the penultimate episode last week, Nick, and Daughter of Ferrix. I saw a lot of dummies out there saying Daughters of Ferrix. Learn how to read, daughter. Singular obviously daughter. referring, Obviously referring to everyone's mom, Marva. All right, so we're going to talk about that like we usually do. We'll review it. We'll, we'll take a deep dive. We'll analyze some of the references and eggs. And then, like I said, I, I've got some thoughts. This is kind of a new new segment to our breakdowns, thoughts, where uh, I've either read something that has sparked a thought, texted something with the intern that sparked the thought, or just while I was watching, I was like, you know what? This is something I want to discuss a bit more. All right, Nick, so let, let's go ahead and start. I'm sure it's fresh in your mind. You, you more than Just likely watched, watched it this morning with your, your shot of whiskey. So what, what say you about episode 11, the, the, the kind of the penultimate, the setup for the big finale that's going to drop tomorrow? Um, it was good. It was a good episode, like you mentioned, definitely uh, setting up the, the final. Um, I Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have too many thoughts on this episode because I do kind of feel like this was just a bunch of setup for what's going to happen next. The Fondor ship was a cool scene to see that a ship can shoot lasers out of its wings and and destroy, uh, you know, other crafts in its area. I don't know why every ship is, is not equipped with that. Probably because Luthen's a really rich guy. Um, after watching this episode, like I saw something, like a about a week ago or so, and it was like they should have named this show something different, and maybe it would attach itself to to more of the fan base. And after seeing this episode, I definitely agree with that. Like the name Andor for this show is actually just fucking awful. Like if you think about everything that's in this show and how most like 
Andor is definitely a central figure, but like he's almost the least important character in the show. Well, like, all I, I in terms of being featured, I think you're right. But in terms of if you notice, the narrative has always adhered to Cassian Andor, even from of. the Empire I mean, perspective, like, Luthen's perspective. In a way, like I, I, I think that like Luthen has all but like in the last few episodes, he didn't really give a fuck about Cassian. He's like, I got other shit going on, way more important what, than some do dude. You, who now, when find. when he was talking to Clea before the um, shit, I forgot the name of it. The arrester showed up. Yeah. And they, they they talked about the Saul deal. That's something they had to take care of because obviously he's worried about Saul ratting him out because Saul knows who Luthen is. And, and he's like, well, what about our next piece? They were they were using code, essentially talking about anti- antiquities. Yeah. But I believe he was talking about Andor, right? Like he's like, well, all right, all right the Saul thing's taken care of, but this next piece, is there still interest in it? What, what's happened there? Was, do you think he was talking about Andor and their plans for him? Be it, be it, or have they gotten closer to being able to assassinate him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, I mean, the thing is, is like Clea doesn't know that Andor's still out there. Clea, Clea is basically telling him that, like, well, no, he may she be just on got Ferrix the, because his no, mom she just, just died or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Right. But that, yeah. that was who they were talking about, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. But I think a better, like, going back to my original point, like, a better name for this show would have been, like, uh, you know, spark of the rebellion or something like that. Like something that is more focused on like the big picture than the small character. Um, cause I feel like a lot of people who see, who just like see the title want, like what is going to attract you to that show about the title? I, I like in that you have to take stuff like that into account, especially for TV shows in Star Wars, where you have so much, you have so much to yeah. watch now. I don't know. That that might not be a bad point, because I was even someone, when I first heard about this series, I was like, Cassian? Okay, whatever. But I'm also, I'm kind of, I'm different than a lot of you. I respect Rogue One. I think it's a, a great movie. I don't consider it to be one of the greatest Star Wars movies of all time. It, it, it lacked, as Nick said last week about this series, it lacked that the the, the Star Warsy shit that, that got me into it. The, the the mystical side and all that that stuff is as lame as that is. I'm I'm a Skywalker saga boy through and through, so I, I do identify Star Wars with with that uh, mysticism more than what we're getting now. So I you may not be wrong. I, I kind of like Spark of the Rebellion. I I, I just I don't know. I, I feel like the figureheads and the powers of be were like, well, we gotta we gotta make it about someone that that the fan base at large at least knows something about we got to start from a known entity and then we'll kind of build out from there um but i i don't know i mean does, does the name really scare people away i i don't i think, think it does so it, it might not bring people in i don't know if it scares people away i don't know if it'll scare it, people it might not away. entice it might not yeah. entice but that's what you got to do you got to entice people to watch it because like if you're if you're like sitting down and you haven't watched a lot of the Star Wars shows, like you have to you can't think about us. People like us don't matter to Disney because no, we're going right. to watch whatever they put out. You could put a pile of shit as the picture. Yeah, they on, they, they literally the, could have called it feces and yeah. I would be getting up at 4:30 every Wednesday yeah. to watch it. So like like us thinking about like what can you name it for us to like it? Doesn't matter. We're going to watch it anyway. You have to think about like the person who maybe hasn't seen Rogue One, but has seen 
the originals and the prequels, like, what can I name it to make those people watch it? You put the name Andor up there. They're like, who the fuck is that? Is this even Star Wars? Like, no, thank you. You put a name like Spark of the Rebellion up there where the rebellion is the whole fucking center point of the original trilogy. Then people are like, oh, wow, that seems Star Wars, Spark of the Rebellion. Wow, that seems interesting. Let me check that out. You know what, dude? (laughs) You've just sold me on it, all right? I'm not going to agree with you that that Andor isn't a key piece of season one, but I will agree with you that the title was a misstep. Now that you've explained it, I I think you're right. I think Spark of Rebellion or... Boom goes the empire, something like <laughs> something that. Something like that would have would have enticed more clicks, like not clickbait style title, but enough to where even a, a a regular Joe would be like, hey, you know what? Fucking I I know about rebellions. That's that's what Star Wars is all about. So let's go ahead and see what this has to offer. I, I yeah. got you. Maybe got uh, you. Bob Iger will change the title now that he's back. Hey, he's he's <laughs> coming in. He's all he's going to do is Star Wars. I mean, right. they're going to revise the schedule. We're going to have Star Wars in, in 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. It's great. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I said, I mean, he's a guy that fucked everything up in the first place. Let's be real in terms of positioning movies and and not giving movies the time they need to breathe. So uh, I, I think he's going to make your more Disney-centric fans happy because I, apparently, Nick, there's... Chappick was doing shit at the parks, like charging more and making it more of like an elite type of experience to where middle-income people couldn't quite afford Disney parks anymore. Who the fuck knows? We'll, all, we'll talk more on that All they know is later. that Bob Chappick... Bob Chappick lost them a shitload of money. Yeah, so. a billion, about a billion dollars. So, yeah, and, so they're and, like, and apparently, <laughs> even though they're still killing it in terms of subscribers, they make zero money on Disney Plus. That yeah, is just yeah. mind blowing to me. It's like, what the fuck are you people doing? That's like, just like, yeah. How do you have people signing up, like tripping over themselves to sign up? And, and one point I read, Nick, was. It's because a lot of people go for the bundles, and apparently, if you buy a bundle, they're operating at a loss immediately well, on I Disney Plus. I got a bundle, Plus. so they're operating at a loss on me. It's <laughs> crazy, dude. I I I, ha- I bought the the three year bundle when this was all starting to happen. Yeah, and I think I got three years for like sixty dollars. It was a crazy deal. Guess what? That bundle's gone. They rolled me oh. right into the fucking one year only term. I didn't even, it oh, didn't yeah. even give me a chance to like try to get your, they, they, they Hulu, were paying ESPN you to watch their shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But anyways, all right. So, uh, yeah, back to Andor spark of the rebellion and Andor story. I like that tones. Go for it. Uh, so, so I got you there and, and back to rogue one. I, I don't hate rogue one. In fact, I've been dying to rewatch it, but I have a self-imposed ban until I get through season one of Andor, because I do think for someone like me who, and here's, here's my beef with rogue one. And it's probably a lot of people's beef with Andor. I had no fucking stakes in any of these characters. I knew what was going to happen to them. They, they were nothing special to me. They, they, they weren't legacy. And, and what's the best scene in that movie? A Darth Vader scene. So I, I didn't really, as Nick was saying, made a great point about why Andor has floundered with the at-large user base on Disney+, Plus, is because there's no stakes for people. There's no connections to uh, past Star Wars that they loved. I mean, outside of the, the ships, the Death Star, and all that shit... Rogue One is just a, you know, a bunch of uh, derelicts and freedom fighters that we all know are on a suicide mission. So that that's why I never loved Rogue One. Now that I've seen Andor, 
I think Rogue One is going to hit in a completely different sense for me. It, it, there, there is going to be weight now to to the character of Cassie, and I, I, I there, there's going to be more stakes for me. Uh, th- there's going to uh, uh, there's going to be more emotion to it now because Cassian is a firmly and deeply established character now, much more so than he was back in 2016. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know that too. Here's Sir Dork, but he has disappeared from Instagram. Like one of the biggest personalities in, in the toy photography community, just gone. Like the account's gone, everything. So, uh, Jared, if you're well and you can share your story, please let us know. We'd love to communicate it out there to the Star Wars Time Show community. All right, man. So uh, I think what I'm getting from Nick, change the fucking name of the series. Episode 11 was good, but nothing special happened. It's setting up 12. So I'll go. Um, I I do feel like episode 11 was kind of back to episodes eight and nine, where it's still great quality writing, expert level acting, uh, great scenes, memorable moments, all that stuff. Nothing bad about it at all. Uh, but uh, it, it lacked the, the the tension again. You know, it's just like okay, I can see we're we're funneling everything, and hopefully you all realize it too. I mean that that whole episode was to move all the chess pieces to Ferrix. Okay, Cyril's going there with the tip from his boy. You know, Cassian won't be able to help himself. Deidre's or Dedra's on her way. Uh, you know, the daughter of Ferrix, the daughters of Ferrix have something planned. So episode eleven completely served to funnel all the main players, all the narratives from season one back to Ferrix where it all started. Uh, Even Luthen with his little ordeal will be maybe not headed directly to Ferrix, but it's going to be on his mind because, you know, he just escaped with his life. He, he's a, he's a, he knows he's a marked man. He's been a marked man, but now you're starting to see how that heat is just turning up by like a factor of 10 every episode. Like Tony told us, like now that ever since Aldani started, Luthen is fucked. Like basically his countdown to death has happened and it's going to get harder and harder for him to do what he's been doing. And and we got the the first taste of that this week when he was leaving Segra Milo. Uh, But even there, he, you know, Clea before she got cut off, cut off was essentially telling him like, yes, good chance he's going to show up on Ferrix because the old mom is dead. So, um, it, it was, it, it was a, it was a setup episode and, and don't you dare say it was a filler episode. It, w- it was set up though. Uh, but it was still great. I think it had some fantastic moments. It had some touching moments that we'll talk about in our top five moment breakdown, uh, some good action. And like I said, it, it spawned a few thoughts that I'd like to dig into with Nick. So it, it still did its job, uh, in the grand scheme of themes, it was excellent live action Star Wars. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the show itself has always been a super solid, like just written and acted show. I don't think that there's been one episode where there's been like a dip in the performance level of either like the writing team or the the actors on set. So uh, always super consistent in, in that fashion. Um, and I agree with you that this episode has continued that um, the serial thing still waiting to see how that plays out, um, because now like. This is getting. Did back he steal to- his mommy's money? That was his I mommy's think- money, right? Yeah. Did he break yeah. into his mom's safe? 
Yeah, Attaboy. he has no money. The, the, that guy is a complete. Yeah, you he, gotta he, love. I, I, I mean, how old do you think Cyril is? Is he in his twenties or thirties in I Star would, Wars? Not, not, not like Kyle Solar, but in yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Wars. I think that he's probably in his late twenties. I'll say that because, okay. so, like, late twenties is a is a period of time where like your parents expect you to be like, okay, like you should be good on your own now. Like early twenties, mid twenties, like you're still figuring your shit out. Once you get like 27, 28, 29, your parents are like you should have your shit together and you should not be living in my house anymore. So I think that's I why a, his mom is a little kind of. He tiff. like waited until she left. He's like sl- sneaking around. He goes <laughs> in, breaks into the safe, takes her credits. And you know, you know, I mean, you know where he's headed and he's, he's so far, he's going right down the path. I predicted he's going to get there on his own. He, he's he, nothing to do with the ISB. And he is it, just as it seems like he's going to get his man. He's going to fuck it up for everybody, everybody. And that that's himself, the empire, the, the people on Ferrix, Cassian, like he's just going to be one big calamitous disaster on Ferrix. You oh. know it. Oh yeah. You oh, know yeah. it. It's, it's just but, <laughs> like he is. I remember I said this in like the first couple episodes after Cyril had been introduced. He was like, he was the rogue agent that screws up everything for everybody. Like, cause Tony always writes one of those. He always has a rogue agent in, in his shows that are like this, that are about like spycraft and stuff that just like comes in throws a wrench in the whole thing and then either gets killed and then just immediately forgotten, but, and, and was only there to fuck shit up. Um, or they like, you know, they come in and then they end up actually helping the person that they're trying to to go against. Yeah, th- that's that, the okay, two that, options. That, that's what's happening for sure. I, I do think indirectly is Ciro's going to help Cassian and and the rebels. I, I really do. I think he's going to fuck up so bad that he is going to indirectly help the people he's trying to take out. Cassian being the number one. I mean, that... I mean, Cassian stole his gun. He gave his gun to Melshi. I mean, that that's that's like taking a man's balls away from him. You gotta. I mean, he he has got an axe to grind with Cassian, uh, and, and he's gonna get very close. But it's all gonna explode, and it's going to screw everything up for everybody, and probably help the good guys in the end. I just I just know it. I have that feeling. Uh, all right. So before we get into the top five, just one other comment on the episode and see what Nick says. I, Nick, I think this was um, in particular the, the closing scene. This was probably Diego's best, like subtle performance episode. Just the way he used his his face, his expressions, uh, teary eyed. You know that you could you could in that last scene you could really feel him kind of man choking tears down around Melshi. Like, yeah, buddy, we got it. You know it. Let's go spread the good word. But all he, all he's thinking about is fuck. My mom's dead. Yeah. And I I wasn't with her because I ran away and I was locked up and she's never gonna see who I've become. Because he was even like, hey, tell my mom. Yeah. Tell, tell my mom to, to be tell her to be proud of me. Yeah. I mean that that kind of killed me. I was like fuck. But I, I think Diego. This is probably his best. Yeah. Subtle acting in, in the series. Definitely. Definitely. Especially like, you know, when he's talking to Melshi and be like, yeah, everything's good. Like just holding everything in, not even telling who it, like now who is his closest friend, you yeah. know, what has happened or, you know, what's happened with his mom. And he's just kind of dealing with it. 
Um, it was. It was a very good piece of acting to close out this episode for sure. We'll, we'll talk more in that scene later because that is one of my top scenes. But l- let's go ahead and get into those right now, Nick. As we always do, we like to review and then we like to point out some of the top moments to see if you, the fans, agree. And uh, the first one on my list is it's it's the opening scene between uh, B2 and Brasso as the daughters of Ferrix are preparing Marva for her burial. And it just, I'm telling you, man, that this droid and, and we, if we actually had a, a, a staff, I would tell him to fucking find the tape and roll it. But I, I'll go on record saying I was 100% wrong about B2 emo. Uh, over the summer where I first saw him, I was like, look at this stupid ass <laughs> looking fire hydrant trash can. Who does he think he is and come in here and, and try to win our hearts and become another <laughs> iconic Star Wars droid? I was, I was a big dickhead to B2. I didn't even like his name. I was making fun of his name. And, and I have to say, through season one, and in particular this scene he had with Brasso, I find B2 to be one of the most emotionally deep <laughs> Star Wars droids of all time. I, I mean, he's... He's like a real fucking person crammed in a robot body. The, the, the level of emotions this little droid goes through knowing that his, his owner is dead or hell, it's, 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 his, it's his Marva. It's not even his owner. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, basically they're, 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 his mom. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. And he's just like, he, he wouldn't wake up. He wouldn't talk to anyone. He, he you know, he's, he's acting like a little kid if a parent died or something emotional happened. They didn't know how to deal with it. And he's like, Brasso, will you please stay with me or one more night or it just, it was touching. Yeah. And I'm talking about a fucking bucket of bolts. <laughs> so that to me is impressive. When a droid that some intelligent engineer built and threw on a Star Wars set can make me feel something. <laughs> That's big. And, 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 you know, credit to Tony, credit to the people that bring B2 to life, but also to the guy that plays Brasso and, and the, the other human actors that interacted with B2 in that moment. Because, Nick, he, B2 just, he felt like a part of the family. He didn't feel like a C-3PO, an annoyance, or an R2, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a wise-ass, but but a hero, or, or more so on the wise-ass side, a chopper or BB-8, you know, that they all still kind of feel like droids. B-2 feels like a, a human character, an organic. Yeah, no, he definitely does. Like, he definitely feels like, almost like a little brother to Cassian. And that was the first thing that, like, in the, I think in the first episode, they had an interaction where like, oh, he treats this droid like a little brother. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's probably the best way to to describe I mean, their you're, relationship. You're, dude, you're 100 percent right. Because remember, Cassian's like, hey man, just just lied for a little bit, and he's like, I I don't have enough power to do it. It is. It was like a big brother to a little brother. Like, hey, just you know, just tell mom a little bit of a story while while I'm finishing doing something that I shouldn't be doing. You're you're exactly right. It, it's not. It was, it was never, droid, do this, droid, do that, droid, you're a servant for me. It, it was more of a, a coming from a, 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 a friendship, or as you're saying, a, a, a family bond, a, a brotherly bond. Uh, and, and, and that's why my first thought, Nick, after this scene, and just kind of falling in love with B2 throughout the season and, and seeing the different type of droid he is, the, the much more emotional droid, the much more uh, connected droid to his his family. I can't even say owners. Uh, his family. 
B2 has to become K2. It's it just seems yeah. like a a layup. Like there has to be some post credit scene or hell, just a a direct in our face scene where B2's essence AI, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is transferred into K2 in season two when Cassian secures that uh, uh, security droid and and reprograms them. It just. They they have too many similarities. Just just look at how K two and, and Cassian would interact and talk to each other. Look how B two interacts and talks with humans. Yeah. I know K two is a little sassier, but that's you know maybe now that he's in a big body, he feels a little bit better and doesn't have to sit in his <laughs> fucking charging port all day. That's I don't what know. I was gonna say like maybe that has given like there has to be some sort of maturity upgrade at some point. I would imagine, but um. That's the only, like, that's the, the really the only difference. But, you know, like, B2 was very much like a child, and then K2 is, is more like a teenager. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see once we get there, like, how this process happens. Like, does he, like, okay, I want to I wanna basically take B2's consciousness, for lack of a better term, and put it into this hollowed-out droid... But can you like give him some enhancements and when they give him some enhancements, he like ages or something like like he ages up? Well, here's <laughs> um, in the live stream chat, Black Series clips. I, I I don't know if he's fully joking or what, but he's like, I love how B2 is always charging. Uh, what if, you know, again, what if B2 gets damaged or or something happens where he's going to die and, and Cassian has to transfer? It just makes too much sense. Be, and I that know that would be a lot like what happened in Solo with um Exactly. So there's precedence to this in Star Wars. Nick is 100% correct. In Solo, when Lee takes it and is dying, they essentially, it's not even a resurrection. They immortalize her by putting her into the Falcon's computer system. She becomes the brains of the Falcon. Yeah. And and it's the same thing, but it's going to be more of a direct conscious transfer from bot to bot where you know, B2 isn't becoming just a program to run a ship. He he is becoming the essence, the AI of that um, KX security droid hall. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see how season one closes out because there are a lot of storylines that like, even like huge fans of Rogue One are still kind of waiting to develop. Uh, you know, the, the, the K2 storyline, the story, like just, just Cassian being a member of the rebellion. Like we haven't right, even yeah, gotten we are, there yet. Like, no, I mean, it, we're Nick, we're at the precipice of, of him, I think getting there, but I don't even think that'll be resolved at the end of season one. Uh, I think at best Luthen realizes that he, he is the asset he once thought and he is worth keeping alive. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Cassian has nothing to do with the any of the rebel cells at this point in time. He's I think he's finally learned and that there is value that was in being a rebel. Exactly. And that was confirmed with with him and Melshi and them yeah. kind of making their pledge that like, you know what? People have to know. We we do need to do this. People do have to get out and fight back and and I'm going to be one of those people. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it could even be whatever happens in episode 12. I mean, uh, I'm, this is one of my thoughts. We might as well talk about it, but I, I'm pretty sure. And I don't want to say this is anything special. So hold your trophies and medals, but 
there was way too much foreshadowing for Marva's funeral to not be some sort of surprise for the Empire. I mean, the the, the fact that they even go into the exposition that on Ferrix their bodies are turned into bricks. I mean, to me, that's setting up that they're going to turn her body in those bricks into some sort of fucking explosive or something crazy that's going to happen for this funeral that the Empire wants to happen to try to catch Cassian. But I think marva has been planning this for months, ever since Cassian left. I mean, she was purposely not taking her medicine. She was scouting the hotel that they were going to. Marva dying was more or less on purpose for this funeral for her and the daughters to kick off some sort of rebellion on that planet. No, Mark yeah, my I words. think you're 100% right about that. Like she knew that she didn't have a lot of time left anyway. Like she's just a sickly person. So yeah. like she knew like, Hey, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make it mean something for Damn everybody. Fucking Skippy. Yes. Yeah. And they've, like I said, they've been sprinkling this over the past few episodes. If you've been listening, uh, I mean, they, they specifically, uh, brought up the fact that she no longer eats. They specifically brought up that she got hurt fucking around by the hotel. And uh, they specifically talk about how people on Ferrix bury themselves. Like, there's no other reason to go into that if it's not going to be called upon in a future episode. So I, I, I have a feeling wherever these bricks are at, they're going to be fucking blowing up or they're going to be part of Marva's, as I call it, her funeral surprise. Uh, so that that's definitely happening. But, you know, B2 could be in on that, too. And and, and maybe that's where he loses his shell. But hopefully you think Brass that he's like a, like a suicide bomb. Potentially. Yeah, could, could potentially. Be. He's a, he's been a free. He's been fighting for freedom longer than Cassian. I mean, he, he's been with the Andors forever. So uh, but, you know, hopefully Brasso grabbed his memory and that'll that'll be like a big hit in season two. Yeah. Um, I hope so. All right. So, yeah, clearly a, a great moment, and B2 is up there as a, an all-star droid for, for different purposes than, than the duo. I mean, I always am going to love the duo, but that's more for their interaction with each other and how mean C-3PO is to R2 and how R2 is essentially the hero of the original trilogy. Uh, BB-8 was also a great droid, but like a lot of things, sequel trilogy, he kind of lost his luster after the first movie and... And was kind of relegated to sidekick status. Uh, K two clearly has his his moment. Yeah. And as huge. as they're saying in, in the in the chat here, if my theory pans out, that's gonna make K 2s death hit even harder because then it is a fucking family member dying. Yeah. And it's not just a droid that they got close with each other over two or three years. I mean, this is gonna be Cassian losing, as Nick said, a brother that he's known since he's probably 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be very difficult for him to deal with that. Like, and it gives it even more weight considering that, like it would be different if it was like B2's first death, like, you know, but then you take the extra step to say like, Hey, I'm going to take his core, his brain, his consciousness, whatever. And I'm going to put it in another droid to make sure that like, even though my family has been destroyed, there's still a piece of my family. My there you essentially go right there. my brother is is yeah. here, and then you lose think him about again. It. He he has nothing again. It, Cassian is right back to having nothing. His adoptive parents are gone. He he's never found the sister, and God knows it honestly looks like that 
that was just a straight MacGuffin at this point in time. I mean, all that looks like it was just steady MacGuffin. Because I, I don't even know how they deal with it in, in season two. At That's this what point. I was going to say. It's like this storyline is hanging out there. And I'm like, what? Like, is this anything? Like, what is happening here? I don't and know, man. I mean, I don't know if they're going to just drop it all together and be like, well, we're just, you know, it was an idea and we just let it go. Like, the only thing that I could think of now is like, is his sister somebody he already knows? Well, dude, that that's why, I mean, weeks ago I was saying, could it be Dedra? Like one of those types of deals where, you know, uh, nature versus nurture. She was picked up by the Empire, someone that was in the Empire, and that's why she became a fascist where he was picked up by, you know, freedom fighters, and, and he ultimately goes this way. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Trevor doesn't like the B2 and K2. That's all right. It just, it, it makes too much sense. Like it, it's, it's a, it's a layup and maybe that's why he doesn't like it. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe too that's why Tony. Tony won't do it either. Cause exactly. like Tony, Tony doesn't like layups, you know, <laughs> like he doesn't like a name that would be really good for this show, but he just can't use the word and or. Uh, I don't know. I, I still think B2 and K2 have too many similarities. And, and like we said, I don't know when he, he jumped in, but there, there could be a case where, you know, once B2 gets out of his, his crummy shell, he, you know, feels a little bit better. His personality could change a little bit. You, you never know. You know, you know how you feel when you get a new haircut or you lose some yeah. weight. It can make you a whole different person. So it's true. It's true. there you go, Trevor. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> but we will be talking about one of your theories coming up in our next thoughts. Because uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still don't completely buy into it, but I think there, there are some um, tangential connections. Uh, oh, now Sir Dork is shitting on it too. That's all right. We'll see. He doesn't I mean, like the, he doesn't like the, yeah. uh, the cast. Let's just all remember K2. here. I mean, if I have to break out my trophy room of correct Star Wars speculations, I will, but I, I believe my track <laughs> record, my track record's pretty fucking good when it comes to speculations. Uh, but knowing Tony Gilroy, you always got to keep that in the back of your mind. It could be, uh, too cynical or it could be too legacy. Yeah, or it may be in a together. comic book, and you know how much he hates <laughs> those comic books. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on to the next top moment, and uh, I, I believe Nick, this is Genevieve O'Reilly's probably one of her best performances. And the moment I'm talking about is when Mon and Vel are kind of talking about Mon's troubles. We really kind of get the the scope of of how much deep shit she is in, and uh, I, I, I think that for. You know, A, that's why I like this conversation, Nick, because it, it, it did kind of highlight more of Mon's trouble and, and that, you know, her going to Luthan early on, she was already in trouble and she, she knew this was coming and it was going to eventually bite her in the ass. And, and ultimately, it does seem like Mon is going to make the deal to at least allow Lita to meet with Davos's son. Uh, but I, I guess the interesting thing is, at least the way I interpret it, Nick, it feels like Lita may be down with this because she seems to be into the old ways of Shandrilla, which turned her mother and her Aunt Vel off extremely. Yeah, I think that like 
what I think what may end up happening here is like Vel is, I mean, like obviously Vel is going to do something to stop all this from happening because that's like, she's not going to allow her cousin to like essentially sell her daughter for fucking, but it's for the rebellion, Vel, you, you told Mon, <laughs> right? You got to sacrifice. You got to, you got to fight the good fight. You got to fight it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that one, like she sees the desperation in, in Mon, like, Mon knows that if it gets down to this so such an exciting thing as a credit review, um, and they see that this money is missing, that obviously she that that Mon is dead. Like she's not gonna be like in prison, they're gonna kill her. Um and there's no way that she's gonna let her cousin give up her her only child to the hands of some fucking slimy Chandrillan you know, underworld guy. You you know, Lita's going to love it. Well, I guess Lita would love it if, if Vel suggested yeah. it or her dad, but if her mom brings it up, even though that's probably what she wants, she's going to be like, Pfft. I mean, here she'll love it as much as Sansa Stark loved it when she got married off to whoever. Okay, in so, fucking so Game you of didn't, Thrones. cause I, I took it as like her doing those religious chants. And, and then the conversation between Mon and Vel was like, that was like, why the fuck is she doing this old ways, goofy shit, young marriage type of stuff? And, and, um, Mon was like, she, she loves it. And, and Perrin's not even forcing her. Like, like Lita wants to do this. Um, Tone's post credit scene on Andor. I already dropped that in, uh, the, the discord brother. You must've missed that. It's not, oh, is there going to be one in the next? Oh episode? no, there there is definitely. A, I, I'm going to save that for our our setup of the finale. But yeah, for now there is a post credit scene, and it confirms my speculation on what they're making in the prison. So that's another trophy for the shelf. But a bang, but a boom, put the checks in the mail. But yeah, we'll we'll touch on that tones. Thanks for the reminder. Anyways, back here. So it kind of seemed like Lita digs the old ways of Chandrilla, which would be the arranged marriages at 14 or 15. But again, I don't know if you caught Lita's look. When she was hugging Vel, she made sure to stare at her mom with that bitchy look like, I fucking hate you. Look, so that that was still captured in this scene. Any scene with Lita and her mom, Lita has to get one of those death stares off. <laughs> I uh, will say that, like, that that's usually how it goes, though. Like, kids are going to be anti-mom or anti-dad until they realize from experience that hey mom and dad were right <laughs> like right. but what does you, this kid know this kid's just like i want to marry some rich boy right Doesn't have i want to i want to no sit here and, and do like handmaid's tale chants like ba 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 the past is the best like it was really weird shit it was like one of us one of us one of us. Uh, but I just one last thing on this scene. I really feel like Mon has come to the decision of she is going to at least allow this meeting to take place. And I know that's true because they released a Mon Mothma featurette today. And there is a very brief snippet of what looks like Davos with his family and Mon walking up with Lita. So... She she does appear to at least agree to his terms, which were not a betrothal, but at least a meeting. A meeting. So she's she's going down that path to save her ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got to. There's no other. She really doesn't have another choice. Like she has to do this at least for the time being. 
but was yeah, also she needs the money. She's like, I'm, I'm fucked. She's like, I am yeah. fucked. Like, oh, yeah. If they get around and they they get to that coffer and see the missing 400k, it's it's lights out. Yeah, that's what that's what Vel like Vel realizes that that Mon's dead if they catch it. What's interesting to me is that Vel mentions Tacoma in a way that almost makes him seem like he yes. was like a known shithead too. Shithead too, but even you're right because even Mon was kind of like. Yeah, but I still kind of trust him. So yeah. you, it, it it does seem like Vel's like, man, you even went to Tay. Like that was the that was your first person to go to. Yeah, like and, yeah. and I don't know. So like, it's interesting. I I'd be interested to see if they actually go into more of the history between Tay and Mon because all of the interactions between Tay and Mon have been very amicable, if not like slightly romantic. <laughs> no, you're you're right, and I believe Lita does mention that they were a thing before they were um, before Mon was betrothed to Perrin. Yeah, like so they're like, they're like a like like schoolyard elementary school relationship type of stuff, young love. Yeah, so I'm interested to see if like if maybe like Vel had an interaction with with um with Tay Tay. that Mon's not familiar with and that's why she's like hey he's a shithead he's always been a shithead you shouldn't have messed with him in the first place um because that was like like Mon said she's like from Mon Mon's like what what do you fucking want me to do yeah I went to Luth and he said suck it up buttercup so she started making her own moves and making her own moves got her in trouble she even admits here she's like Luthan was right I shouldn't have fucking brought other people into this mess. Uh, and he usually is. He's the man, and it's going to be a sad day when Luthen Rael dies, but I think that's that's coming season two. Uh, all right, so yeah, good good scene here. And like I said, I mean, th- this shot I have on the live stream, Genevieve fucking nailed it. I mean, just the emotion. You, you could feel the weight of the galaxy on this woman's shoulders in this scene, and that is a sign of a classy performance. Okay, it's Andor, so top moments are usually dialogue heavy, and and I do have to mention the second scene between Saul and Luthen. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, Nick, because it, it was a dance they were doing, right? Uh, even more so than the dance they did the first time, where, you know, you can tell these two don't fully trust each other just because of the way Luthen handles his business and Saul handles his business. Yeah. But I, I, I just love the dance they made and how it, it started with Saul's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in now. I want to do this mission. And, and Luthen is kind of telegraphing like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. And then he finally is like, dude, you can't go on this mission because I'm giving them Anton Krieger. I'm going to sacrifice 30 men to keep my asset in the ISB safe. It's like, it's the first time to me it felt like Nick between these two that they Luthen was almost 100% honest with Saul. I mean he he wasn't fully forthright but he was pretty yeah. damn honest with Saul and let him know like listen, I I'm not the ISB agent obviously or why wouldn't I send you in there to die with fucking Anton, but I do have an ISB asset. We need to protect it and that is going to cost some of our rebel fighters and at first Saul's like eh whatever but because Saul Saul that's when he comes around he's like yeah you know what that that's a good fucking deal 30 men for an ISB agent let's call it war baby <laughs> so I mean these two right there in this meeting I think they they officially are kicking off the uh additional rebel activity and the rebel mantra like listen whatever it takes this is war and yeah. Saul clearly 
runs with that too far. And that's why he becomes disenfranchised from the Rebel Alliance and is not allowed to join. And they kind of want nothing to do with him. But th- this is it. This this was kind of the green light to Saul to like, all right, let's fucking get crazy, people. Yeah, I think that like one other thing, too, is like I think that that Luthen sees value in Saul unlike he did with Krieger. I mean, Krieger was kind of made already, so there was very little that like you couldn't save him. You couldn't save him without outing yourself. But I also think that like Luthen sees value in Saw because Saw is Saw has no morality that governs his choices or his decisions Correct. when it comes to this rebellion. And he knows that like when when the shit hits the fan and it really fucking comes down to it, you need somebody like Saw to do the dirtiest of the dirty work. And he's gonna like and not hey, everybody Mick, is willing to do that. That's a great point. Would you argue if Luthen survives whatever's going to take him out and, and makes it to the battle of, of Yavin or even the, the massing of forces on, on Yavin, like we saw in star Wars rebels. Do you, do you see Luthen still kind of supporting Saul, even though Mon and everyone else thinks he's a monster? Like, do you see Luthen still secretly like, yeah, man, this is again, accelerationism, right? Like you, yeah. We need bad shit to happen to good people to kind of get this this party started. So would would Luthen have kind of kept Saul in the mix if he was around? Definitely. And I think what what may have ended up happening is if Luthen survived, the the rebellion would have been way more messy. Like because yeah, that's a good point too. Like <laughs> yeah. ultimately what it came down to and like obviously we'll never see the full scope and, and like all the gritty details of of the true rebellion that happened during the time of the original trilogy. But like from what we what we saw it's like plucky band of rebels fighting against the big empire. They're doing everything they can to like ride the line between like brutality and then also just like being as safe as they can with the people of the galaxy. Whereas Luthen would be like, look, man, if we got to crack some, if if eggs get broken and they happen to be innocent people, like that's just the price that we pay for a rebellion. And I don't think that like, I think that the mindset that he has now would only degrade further once the open war started. Yeah. I mean, he, he, Bail Organa, and Mon Mothma would definitely not be seeing eye to eye around that table in Rogue One. Definitely not. So, and that's kind of, and I, so I do feel like if that was the case and Mon did kind of naturally rise to the top as a, as another leader while Luthen was still alive, likely what you would have seen is a splinter fact, like splintering that happens with like. They probably would have failed. Yeah, like Luthen and all of the more extreme rebels like Saw and some of the others would have kind of split off from Mon and the proper, you know, rebel alliance that forms during the original trilogy time towards the end of Rogue One. Um, because Luthen's like, Luthen is like, I don't fucking care. If, peop- if I put people out there and they fucking die, but they get the mission done, the mission is what's important, not the people. And yeah. I mean, we he, this scene right here proved he's like, all right, fuck Anton Krieger, screw him. Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. 30 of them. I, I thought it was 50. He said 50 last week, but it was down to 30 this week. So who yeah, knows? 30. So maybe 20 <laughs> maybe, of them died. Maybe they lost like 20 defected or something. But Nick, did you also notice this scene provided deeper insights into Luthen and how he operates? But he, he mentioned the Saul. He's like, listen, 
Anton doesn't know who I am. He's never seen me. And Saul's like, wait, you've never, he's like, I've been in the same room with him, but he's never met Luthen. And uh, so, I mean, he just shows you how secretive and how cautious Luthen is. And, but that also speaks volumes about why he exposed himself to Saul. Like, it seems like Saul's one of the only rebel leaders be, besides Vel and Cassian, who's not a leader yet, but will become yeah, one, right. that Luthen has actually exposed his true identity to. So while he went here to, you know, talk to Saul about this mission, his, his ultimate goal was to ensure that Saul Guerrero was not going to rat him out. I don't yeah. know if you picked up on that when he's talking to Clay. He's like, yeah, it cost me more than I wanted, but we don't have to worry about this guy essentially turning me over. He, yeah. He's good. Like Saul's committed. He's going to go fuck shit up. He's an accelerationist. Now let's go check in on the other piece, who is Cassian, his, his last loose end that he feels he needs to tie up. So that, that's another reason this scene was great. And it just is Saul... There, you, you, you can't get any bullshit over on Saul. I mean, he, he can deduce everything just based on the cryptic words that Luthen was giving him. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a, like I said, it was a, it was a dynamic scene. It, it started one way and it ended a completely different way. At one point in time, you thought everyone was going to have like a shootout at the OK Corral. It was, a, it was just a really great pace scene. And Stalin and Forrest together really do make some beautiful Star Wars moments. Oh yeah, uh, those ones that, that Stellan kept talking about when they were spoilers way back when. Remember, he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, love working with Forrest Whitaker." Oh, so Saul's gonna be in yeah, Andor? So- <laughs> that, that's never that was never official, but okay, it makes sense. Um, just you, you just get a lot of good insights into Luthen and just the Rebel Alliance and, and people like Saul, those outliers that didn't quite make the Masasi Temple. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so the big one here, clearly the best moment of the episode and probably the best action bit of the series is the space battle between uh, Luthen's Fondor Hallcraft and the Cantwell-class Arrestor Cruiser, that's right, named after the now um, dead Colin Cantwell, a big uh, Star Wars starship designer from back in the prequel days. But Nick, just like everyone kind of laid down for the question of the week, uh, but th- this was just one hell of a space battle. It-, it was one of the best Star Wars space battles that I can remember in recent memory. Uh, y- you really got to see how badass Luthen's craft is. I was telling the intern, I think Luthen's Hall craft at this point is is top three Star Wars spaceships for me personally, uh, just in terms of its personality and its abilities, capabilities. Um, but it-, it was just, I don't know. It was, to me, this is... This was the most Star Wars shit we've gotten in Andor, I think, all season. It was a good yeah. old space battle with our man Luthen and his badass toy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And like, what's it? It was really cool to see like all the different gadgets on that thing. I mean, like you had hidden missile bay, you had uh, the laser it was like a wing. fucking flechette gun, man. That's that's what <laughs> I called it. It was like he had like a rear mount- mounted flechette missile gun. Yeah crazy shit there the wing things the the uh like the uh i mean obviously like the fondor attachment in the ship to be able to like come up with a fake transponder code um and then ob- like i think it's obvious too that like this ship is probably retrofitted with like better engines in like you know 
like whatever, like uh like repulsor lift technology to be able to like push against the tractor beam like it was doing. And they were like, oh, well, like, I guess up the fucking tractor beaminess of it and pull it in faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I it's funny, too, because like stuff like like I wish that we would have seen this ship or a ship like this and other things because it is such a cool. It's a bad dude. Like, it, I mean, it's, it's up cool there with ship. the Falcon, like the, yeah. the Falcon just it, the Falcon is the most iconic Star Wars ship to me. I mean, just the way it looks, all the stories about it, Han Solo, all that fun shit. Parsecs. Yeah. But, but this little fucking Hallcraft man has really jumped up my list as almost as a character type of ship. You know, you got Red Five. You got the Falcon. I mean, outside of that, unless it's a cruiser like a like a home one or the executor. You, ships are ships, you know what I mean? They don't really stand out. They don't feel like they have a personality. This Hallcraft does. And as I said, it, it's in my my top two. And yeah. I'd argue you, you could you could rotate the Falcon and the Hallcraft on any given Sunday. They're, they're just such a badass craft. And we got to see it kind of pull out all its tricks in this space battle. And uh, no, those are not lightsabers coming out of the wings. Lightsabers kind of have a limited beam. These were more like what you would have saw in the Clone Wars on the lats, you know, when those big ball guns would come out and the clones yeah. would be like, and just fucking like lance, yeah. large swaths of, of a battlefield. Um, Ghost from Rebels, yeah, I'll give you that Black Series clips. Ghost is, is is a standout for sure, no Ghost doubt. Ghost is pretty cool. It doesn't have quite like that stuff was just really cool to see. Like it was just really insane to see how to put this. Like it was really insane to see a small ship like that outfitted with so many cool gadgets. And we really like the the Ghost had like cloaking capabilities and stuff like that. But it, I don't think it had stuff quite as cool as this hall craft. No, no. And that's why I, I guess in terms of just capabilities, I, th- I think the hall craft is one of the most badass things we've seen in terms of, of ships that kind of have a personality. The ghost is definitely up there because of its crew, uh, razor crest. All right, there we go. That's why we do this thing. I can't think of everything. Razor crest is up there. Uh, but, uh, the razor crest was like a, a flying mini bus. It, it didn't really have <laughs> that. It it wasn't its capabilities weren't kind of out of this world, but I, I think it did have a personality as well. Always breaking down, kind of shitty old yeah. Clone Wars era classic. But this this Hallcraft thing is it is a thing of beauty. You know, if they said, "Hey Matt, you get to pick one Star Wars ship," That'd I would have it, a hard yeah. time going. You know, choosing between this and the Millennium Falcon or Red Five. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this one's definitely got more cool bells and whistles, and it's not going to break down on you when you're Slave in the One of the tones. There, there, they're all coming alive now. Slave One's up there Slave too. One. I've always thought Slave One looks stupid. It's built very. It, it doesn't make sense. But now that we've seen more of it, and of course the way it sounds and its uh, weaponry, yes, the the Slave One most definitely has personality and cool capabilities, no yeah. doubt. But I, I think that just goes to show you how fucking cool this thing is because I'm a lifelong fan and this Hallcraft, like I said, has climbed my list immediately. All right, Nick, I think this is the point where I want to get into another thought section as we're talking about Luthen. <clears throat> and really, we spent a lot of time talking about the ship and we didn't spend much time talking about the pilot. And I, I honestly, watching Luthen and the way he handled that whole situation, 
very calm, very cool, very collected. Never panicked like you'd see Han Solo and Chewbacca panicking if they're about to be boarded. No bullshit. It was like, hey, this is another fucking walk in the park for him. Yeah. But then even with all the cool shit, Nick, you have to admit that he has got some damn fine and damn skilled twitchy piloting skills. Like that was not the AI flying. That was him. Yeah. That was him setting in the coordinates and and shooting the guns and doing the 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 twists with the lasers and uh, avoiding the ties to set him up for that double laser barrel roll. That is him. And most pilots that fly like that typically have some sort of connection to the Force. Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, uh, Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo. Uh, yes, we know Han Solo is one hell of a pilot, but is, is he that twitchy? Is he that skilled in a small craft? I don't know. I guess it's up for debate. So what I want to get back to on, on this thought stub, you know, back, back to something the 1-6 shooter brought up a, a few episodes ago. I think back on episode four when we, we learned that uh, Luthen had a kyber crystal. So I, I still don't think Luthen is a Jedi. There's just, there's too many counters to what he's done with his life for him to be a, a Jedi. But I do feel like he has some connection to the force, either through family lines or something to that allow him to fly that way. Uh, I'm sure you notice that uh, on Sega Milo, they really made a focus to look at his, his walking stick handle again. Like, Oh, what's this? You guys remember this walking stick? Hey, it, it kind of looks like a lightsaber hilt. It could be a lightsaber in there. He's also very good at, at talking to people, motivating people, convincing them to do things that they probably wouldn't do. So I, I guess let's just start with this Jedi or not Luthen. I don't think so. Um, if anything, I would tag him as more of like a Corrin Horn type character where like maybe he has like, you know, he has a little bit of force juice in him. And like even in the Corrin Horn story, like he finds a lightsaber and he has a lightsaber and uses it and he's not a Jedi and stuff like that. But like he has the force that kind of flows through him in a similar right, way. So I'm one um, with the force. The force is with me. So like, like kind of yeah. like a cheer it or a base where they subscribe to it, but they're not Jedi. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is like the, the real hard one to, to kind of brush off is definitely like, like you said, the, the walking stick handle that two tubes kind of takes out, not two tubes with the other guy takes out of his, his jacket when he's going up to meet saw. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you can see that there are like handhold grips on it as well. Like it's very well made. It has an, so what looks like an emitter point for like a lightsaber blade to come out of it. That being said, it could be like a, like a, like a, a sword or some kind of like extendable vibro blade. That would also work too. The Jedi angle is just so hard because we've never seen. And again, like this just may be something that, that, that Tony decided like, Hey, you know, we, we can pull this off, but like we've never actually seen a a Jedi post order 66 be so out in the open, like extreme <laughs> and, yeah, and like, doing extreme dark side type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's basically like if he is a Jedi, like he's really like kid, like just uncaring about like the entire like situation yes, he, in the galaxy. He's gone. He's got, he's done essentially what Anakin Skywalker did, but didn't 
go didn't do it in the name of evil. He became evil in the name of good, which I, yeah. I still don't see a Jedi doing. And and that's kind of where I was going. Like the counters for Luthen being a Jedi. A, I don't think Tony would do it because that that gets too legacy and and cynical, and we know he hates that type of stuff. B, I, I also think Luthen being a Jedi kind of takes the rug out from under the series of Andor, which to me is showing that the the rebel movement was not because of space wizards. It was because of regular people uh, who were being oppressed, fighting back and taking what was theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it would just kind of, it would cheapen the feel of the, of the, the formation of the rebel alliance. Oh, the Jedi, the good guys, of course they did it. Um, how does a Jedi amass so much wealth and possession throughout their life? How does a Jedi have a shop right in the middle of fucking Coruscant's shopping district, uh, a few blocks down from two Sith Lords who were able to hunt down every other Jedi across the galaxy outside of Yoda and uh, uh, Ben Kenobi? How does he not get noticed literally living on Coruscant among the people, not even hiding himself? Yeah, uh, that, that's the Would, the would a Jedi be able to make the choices he's made. Like Nick said, would a Jedi be able to burn his good character in the name of the hope of a better day? I, I don't think Jedis would go that far. Um, but he, 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 he does seem to have some gifts, the power of, of motivation. Uh, he's a hell of a pilot. You've got the, uh, you, you definitely, you, you've got the, his walking stick could be construed as a lightsaber. Uh, but I, so I, I could see him potentially being motivated through being related to Jedi and seeing what happened to them with Order 66. And, you know, maybe he had family members in the Order and, and that motivated him to do what he's doing. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't see a Jedi going to the, the dark side lengths that Luthan has had to go to 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 start a rebellion it just doesn't you know why 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 wasn't he in communication with the big guys then you know what i mean i, I don't know there's yeah. there's a there's there's things that make you want to think luthan has the force but if he was a jedi the dude has completely ignored all of his teachings unlike any other surviving jedi <laughs> during this time period I, I i will say too that like i agree with you if like all of a sudden a jedi pops out of here it would be really kind. It would do such a disservice to Tony's own fucking like words. Um, and it just like, you would have to do so much hoop jumping to make that make sense to me. What would be better? Like it's even hard to, to like try to shove him in as like a, like a Republic war veteran because like people would know him as a Republic war veteran. Right. Like he would, he would be known. He would have some sort of stature as a Republic. He war seems veteran. like, he seems like a Coruscanti aristocrat. And yeah. that, that's, that's not a position you're in to, to hide. And yeah. especially if you are Jedi. I mean, again, we know through Canon that the Jedi were systematically hunted down and exterminated outside of new Jedi that they added because of cartoons and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. That's it. Yeah. Like they were all wasted. So how could a guy live in the upper echelons of Coruscant and not be found out by the motherfucking Sith Lord who is within his vicinity? I yeah. mean, Palpatine, I just read Hidden Empire number one. He force choked Kira across the galaxy. Okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I, I would imagine that he would pretty quickly pick out 
this Luthen character and be like, you know what? You, uh, you're doing a good job of hiding from everybody else, but I can see that you're a fucking Jedi or I see that you're yeah. a, a force user. My guess is that like, yeah, he's got, he's, he's got some pretty good piloting skills, but like, I wouldn't say that piloting skills that he showed off were like, you had to be a Jedi to do it. Like there are some fucking really good pilots in the rebellion wedge, uh, you know, to name one, all of, I mean, basically everybody in, uh, rogue squadron were like the tops of the tops. And the only one that we know of that was a fucking Jedi was Luke. So you could get away with saying like, okay, he's just like a good pilot to me. Like, what rings the most true about him is that he's probably from the underworld. Like he probably like dabbled around in the, the whether it be Crimson Dawn or one of the other underworld factions in the past. And then like when all of this went down with the empire, he was like, look, it's time to, to, to bring the underworld to, to the forefront in a way and ensure that because the, the empire is bad for the underworld too. Like it's like, they're, they're not doing any favors to the underworld. Um, but I think that that's probably the best thing is that like, he was maybe like a smuggler. He was a runner. A smuggler would make a lot of sense because he has acts like he would have access to all of the shit that he has in his shop. It would give him the ability to pilot the way that he pilots. We know that Han Solo is an incredible pilot. Poe Dameron was an incredible pilot. Um, and, that it would seem to me like that would be the most like if you're going to pin him as something, a smuggler for the underworld would be a good one. That would also give him access. Like if this motherfucker came across a lightsaber, you don't have to be a Jedi to use a lightsaber. You just whip that thing around like whatever. Like, um, so maybe yeah, I, he would have come across a lightsaber like, that way. I don't know. I still feel like he, he's he came from money or has always had money. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how the, the economy or how things work in the upper echelons of Coruscant, but the way it's presented to me, it feels like any, you couldn't just be a businessman and be like, Hey, I want that shop on this level of Coruscant. It's almost like you have to have that old money in star Wars to reach the level of prominence that he has on Coruscant with his shop and wherever the fuck he lives with his little wig on here. Uh, the underworld angle, I don't know, because Trevor brings up a good point in the live stream chat. Uh, you know, if he was in the underworld, what, what's his motivation then to start a rebellion? Because, and here, here's where I'll kind of argue your one point, that the underworld didn't love the Empire. They actually didn't mind it because the Empire still let them do what they wanted to as long as they didn't fuck with the Empire too much, and that's been dealt with in these recent comic book runs. In fact, uh, Sidious in Hidden Empire number one, finally met with all the heads again. Like, listen, you idiots, Jabba, Zizor, uh, the Pikes. Why are you, why are all you dumb fucks fighting each other? It's because Crimson Dawn told you to. Because they said whoever won this uh, crime world boss or, or war would gain my favor. He's like, I don't give a shit. He's like, you guys do whatever the hell you want. Take out Crimson Dawn. She's tricking you. We don't care about the underworld. Just don't, you know, fuck with us. Um, so, yeah, why would Luthen have this motivation to, as I he mean, said, burn his life to restore freedom to the galaxy? I mean, I also think that, like, just because you, like, are a smuggler in the underworld doesn't mean that you are just a heinous piece of shit in all regards. Like, you can care about people in general, like, 
well-being of the galaxy. Like those are not two mutually exclusive things. Even, um, you know, like Han Solo smuggler in the underworld long time. Like hates. Yeah, he eventually becomes a good guy. I, yeah, I see hates that. the Empire. I, don't know. I, I think Billy D. Say or Lando. Same shit. Like a career scoundrel, though. I think Luthen's deeper. I, I don't know. I mean, here's the other thing. Uh, Trevor says he seems like someone doing it for revenge. Well, that would be very un-Jedi-like there, so that kind of takes that out. I, I I could see it this. You know, what if Luthen's kid or kids were in the Jedi Order and they were fucking systematically murdered? That would motivate somebody to do something, right? Uh, you know, that, that could line some stuff up. Luthen is a very intriguing character these days, and I just don't know how much of his past we'll honestly get because he's dead. It's not his <laughs> series. It, it, <laughs> I don't dead. think it's really. I don't think Tony gives a shit. I mean, is there room for Luthen exposition in season two when you're only going to have three episode arcs to cover a full year? I don't know. I hope there is, because I was sure as fuck love some insights into what motivated this guy to do what he's doing, but. If we're just going to blanket say he's a Jedi, man, is he a very unique Jedi because he's essentially going against all of his teachings, has become a dark side user for good, which isn't very Jedi-like. And again, how, if he was a Jedi, how does he get all these possessions? How does he get this place on Coruscant with all this money? Jedis forego all possessions. They can't have any. They're taken when they're kids. They, they, They have no money. They have no wealth. They have nothing to it. Uh, you know, how does he reintegrate into that and, and be this character that senators would come to to shop for antiques? I don't know. Uh, hey, that it's proof of a great character. We're all going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over this guy spinning our wheels trying to speculate. But um, I don't know. He If he is just a full on Jedi, that would be a very unique take on a Jedi. It, 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 it's unlike any other Jedi we've ever been witness to. Uh, because he he broke bad, but did it for good, which yeah. a Jedi would not do. Yeah, I mean, it'll be. I hope they go more into his character because I think that he is definitely like the most interesting of the characters that are still in the, uh, that are still in the show right now. He's asking, uh, do you think Ahsoka was mo- ever motivated by revenge? I do not. I don't know. I mean, what did she do out of revenge then? Yeah, I mean, she didn't really. I mean, like I, I'm down. asking. I'm asking the stream here. I, I know it's not Nick's idea. Um, <laughs> the, the only Jedi I know that was motivated by revenge really would be Anakin. Yeah. That, I mean, that's. A, that's a, I'm not. I'm not trying to be combative here. I just. I don't. I do not. I don't agree that Ahsoka was ever motivated by revenge to do anything because. Uh, not not that I can remember. I mean, I'm I'm open to examples, but what what was she motivated to do out of revenge? I mean, she's she's going after Thrawn. I, I don't think in, in a sense of revenge. I think she's trying to find Ezra. I, I don't consider that revenge. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that she was motivated by revenge. Well, well I don't one know. six. I, I, if like, that's I just true, don't think that it, Luthen is a. I don't think mean, me neither, but I, I I like this. I like the back and forth. So now one six years saying a Jedi wouldn't do unless he saw the beginning of the Empire wipe out his friends. Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi saw it firsthand and he didn't go crazy, right? It took him 10 years and he, he, he just sat idly by for nine more until Luke was ready. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, 
that's what I mean. There's no example of a, a if Luthen is a Jedi. There, there's no previous example, at least in my dumb head, of a Jedi doing what he has done. It's very anti-Jedi. It's much more Sith, but in the name of good versus evil. Yeah. And, and, and just all the possession shit. Like, has he? And I'm not talking about the antiques. I'm talking that the dude lives on fucking Coruscant as an antiques dealer. Like, he, he's, got, he's got money. Uh, yeah. It's, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think hey, one that, six. One six. I, I need a guest host next week. I want it to be you. So you <laughs> and I can go back and forth with competing uh, views on, on Jedi and the Force. Yeah, because I'm not going to be here. I'm, I'm going to be out. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. Nick, Nick is not here for the finale talk next week, which bums me out. But uh, I'll either do it solo or get someone else in here. Uh, I mean, we, we could argue the, you know, two sides of the same coin over and over. But if, if Luthen's a Jedi, it, it's very uh, contrary to what we know about any existing Jedi, the most famous Jedi of all time. And um, it, it doesn't line up to how a Jedi would live their life, even in exile. Uh, the, the possession thing being the biggest. Like, where does he get all this money if he was a Jedi until he was you know, in his, in his forties or fifties, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to see him as a Jedi. It's hard to see him as a Jedi. I, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you on that one, but I'm know, not, man. I'm I'm not, it's weird. I'm not completely turned off to the fact that the force somehow was involved in this dude's life. I'm not, I'm, I'm completely open to the idea. And if it is revealed, he's Jedi. If it's done right, I'm, I'm down. I just, it just means, uh, it would it just goes be a very wild Tony take. said that like, that's the biggest thing. That's I think that's the biggest con for this argument, him being a Jedi, because it would it would kind of cheapen what has all been laid out before us in Andor. It's like, oh, well, the space wizards are the reason for this, too. They do all the good shit. The space wizard, his son blows up the fucking Death Star. You know, we, we forget about all the sacrifice that the Cassians and Jyn Erso had to do because the space wizard kid shows up and blows shit up. So I, I'm with you. It, it's it's weird, but I think it's a good weird because we're all sitting here thinking about it and, and, and wanting it to go one way or another. And to we me, also, that is a sign of good writing. We also and know, good Star though, Wars. that like not every force sensitive person was recruited to the order. You know, like there are force sensitives out there that either are, you know, are force sensitive, but they don't actually, you know, they can't control the force very well. They, they were too old when the order found out that they were force sensitive or whatever. There are millions, probably billions of people in the galaxy that have some level of force sensitivity that just fell out of the purview of the order for, for right. one reason or another. And then it, later in life discovered that they can have some level of control over the force. So I would, I, I would put it at, Jedi zero percent. I'll I'll say that. And but force sensitive, force something possible. Fifty, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, hey, he, he had it. He had a kyber crystal. He talked about his heritage. You never know. I mean, yeah. it, it, it could be a religion to him, like it is to the the the, the Will's people to Cheridan Bays. Uh, I don't know. Hey, hopefully we get the answer. Hopefully, no, we, yeah, we get something. I, I, I uh, do hope so. And and now, I mean. We're almost definitely like he's going to be in season two. Like that is, you know, yeah, that, he's going to be there a, unless a something deal. crazy fucking happens 
in the last episode where he gets killed. And then all of a sudden all the him saying like, yeah, season two stuff. Like you've been telling me, Matt, when I was like, yeah, he should be dead in season one. Um, it would, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's possibility to find out that he's definitely still sticking around. A few more things from the peanut gallery. Thank you all. It's a good session today. Um, Tony said there would not be Easter eggs. Tony didn't put them in. The art department did. So we can get out on that one. Tony did not lie. We just talked about last week. The other one, Nick, you may know about this. I am. This could be legend, but apparently Dooku had a, an apprentice named Rael Avaros. Is that legend or does that ring a bell or anything? Because the only Padawan that I knew Dooku had was um, Qui-Gon. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know about it. If it's in the new uh, stuff, then I definitely don't know about it. Rael Zavaros? Avaros. A-V-A-R-R-O-S-S. Yeah, so let's see. I mean, that, that would have been a very... See, even then, yes. we, we could be... That could be... Age would be off because Dooku's yeah. last apprentice was Qui-Gon, who was an old... Not an old man, but Qui-Gon... What do you think Qui-Gon was in the TPM? In his 40s or 50s? TPM? Qui-Gon? Yeah. Probably Qui-Gon, 40s early or 50s. 40s. I would okay. say early 40s. So here's what it says on uh, Wikipedia or Rael Avaros. I mean, it kind of it kind of does fit. Um, Rael Avaros, force sensitive human male, was a Jedi in the Lord Regent of Pajal, the Pajal Monarchy. Um, there so you go. He, that makes it, sense. Yeah, given that 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 would give him his the ability to whatever. Like you know, he he knows about antiquities. He has money. Um, during the yeah, that, that covers the, the, the money and possession yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, trained by Jedi Master Dooku. Um, Avaros took the less strict approach of the ways of the Jedi Order. Falls into what we're seeing with Luth- Luthen. Uh, around 40 BBY, he requested the help of Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi during a dispute between the Zerka Corporation and the Pajal Monarchy. That's all... That we have on him right now. Um, admission to the is Jedi Order. Is that coming Order. from canon or legend? They this usually mark ca- it. This is canon. So this is Scroll down. Where does it give you first appearance? If They they usually do that. If you scroll to the bottom. Um, appearances are in uh, Master and Apprentice. First appearance simultaneous with Master and Apprentice audio book. So... Okay, so that is that that is that the new Count Dooku book that came out recently? No, then? so this one was released 2019. Claudia oh, Gray, that, Master and Apprentice, focuses on Obi Wan and that's canon. yeah, it's it's canon. Uh, focuses on uh, Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon uh, eight years prior so to that, Episode One. All right, so he he's older than Qui Gon then. Yeah. He would have been um, Dooku's first apprentice. Dooku lost Jedi. He was in there in flashbacks. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. It's possible because this guy does seem to like have some, uh, some traits that would. Yeah. You line know, up I, I, with I, another thing I was thinking is like, well, if he is Jedi and it's, it's weird that Trevor brought this up being at the count, I was like, what if he's like the count? Literally. I mean, he was called Count Dooku for a reason. He, he was, in a, a monarchy of some sort, royalty, uh, but became a Jedi. So yeah, he would he would have came from money and all that, and we saw what Dooku did, and 
All right. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I guess we're now just at Tony's own edicts <laughs> preventing this from being from him being a Jedi. But that that yeah. nugget definitely. Uh, I mean, I will I wonder, say that, like. I mean, the the <laughs> uh, he wielded a blue lightsaber in combat. Uh, human male, black hair, strong, muscled physique in relatively short height, there, barely hey, reaching it can't be it. Black Jin's hair, shoulders. He had black hair. <laughs> yeah, so tan skin, dark eyes. I mean, all of that, yeah. He has well, they, a they, they can change Ringo that shit. I mean, Vinden accent. I mean, Luthen definitely has an accent. I mean, Filoni um, himself has, has manipulated canon. So, I mean, if it's written, that canon can be manipulated. So they, they definitely could... Take yeah. a, a tan black hair guy and make him a white skin blonde if they yeah. want to. I also like how in this thing they specifically called out. This is it's so funny. I've never seen this before. He was more flexible in his views concerning the Jedi code, making time to have sex, but without forming attachments. <laughs> That's literally what it says. He had a casual so, sexual relationship yeah, well, that makes with sense. Selby, I mean, the local innkeeper. Jedi, uh, it, I mean, for a Jedi, a one night stand is ideal, right? No, yeah. no commitments, no connections. So that's great. He's out there. He's like Nick Cannon fucking populating the galaxy. This is there so There you funny. go. Uh, Avaros <laughs> adhered to the light side of the force. Unlike most Jedi, however, Avaros did not. Avaros liked the fall. <laughs> Avaros did not care about his image, even to the point of consuming death sticks on Takadana. He also complained <laughs> about aging after writing... Uh, a Pajal. This guy Vraktil. is a real fucking player, huh? I mean, he's yeah. like a fucking, he's a degenerate Jedi. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if Luthen's that degenerate. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? I mean, th- th- I'm not going to lie. There, there are some dots that, that connect. Yeah. There are some dots that can connect. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. We're, we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to my point. Like, look, this is why this show is brilliant. Uh, we, we're, we're, I think we've just spent 30 minutes trying to figure out who, who the fuck Luthen Rael could be, a fake yeah. character on a fake TV show. So kudos to Tony and his team, regardless if he's lying to us or not. Who knows? I'm definitely in there somewhere like Luthen and Force can live in the same sphere. I'm there somewhere, okay? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to... Like I said, could it be family members, his kids, or is it him, or is he the guy? Ha! Huh. Please, just call season two Luthen. Right? Dude, I'm telling you, Spark of the Rebellion, like some shit that's not like specifically Cassian's name, man. Yeah. It can't, it can't be Cassian's name. It's just too. Wait. There's too many other things, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, I guess what, how do they even reveal that? I don't think there's time or, or a place in the finale to even get into any like Luthen backstory. I just, I don't know if we're going to get it. I yeah. don't. Cause I, I mean, do you dedicate an episode, which is essentially, we, we got to figure is going to take up what three and a half months of time in season two. If, if three episodes cover a year, man, Dude, I would, I would dedicate an entire, like if it was me, I would have dedicated a three arc, a three episode arc in just season one to him like early in season one yeah it is i'm starting to feel like it's like damn tony i wish you weren't so quick to be done with star wars because i i could get into the full five seasons they initially envisioned yeah but you know where where, where you get 12 episodes to to tell a year like we're getting season one but he's like you know what star wars i'm over it i'm good i've made my mark 
everyone loves me. I'm out after season two. <laughs> Look, when he's uh, out there and and the the offers aren't coming in, and then he remembers like, hey man, they they told me I could make five seasons of this. Let me let me go back and see if they'll let me back in the Star Wars world. <laughs> yeah. I, I so. and these days I would I would gladly welcome him back. I, I think Tony, as much as we like to have fun with him, he's uh he's proven his metal. There's no doubt about it. Between Rogue One and, and what he's done with eleven episodes of Andor, the dude may not like Star Wars and you may think we're a bunch of losers, but he definitely plays well in the sandbox and knows how to tell a story. So much so that we just went on a tangent for way too long and haven't yeah, even finished our top five moments yet. So technically haven't even let's, got Let's there. go ahead and get back to that <laughs> one. The, uh, the last moment, and, and we, I touched on it, talking about Diego's performance, but I really did like the, the final conversation between Melshi and Cassian because it, it, I think it showed further continued growth with Cassian and his mindset. Yes, this guy is a guy that is now ready to go out there and, and kind of fight for the freedom of the galaxy. But he wasn't expecting the news he got on that call. And I think that that's, that changed the plans he probably had on Neomos. I, I don't think Cassian uh, was expecting to heal, hear that Marva died. And, and I don't think he was expecting to be thinking about taking himself back to Ferrick so soon. Um, but I, I like the scene because it, it, it firmly establishes the bond between Andor and Melshi, which continue, should continue into season two and obviously in the Rogue One. It, it, it's a big yeah. deal because Melshi is the lead sergeant in the unit that goes to Scarif. I mean, he, he also is the, is the guy that breaks Jin out. So, I mean, he, he's a pretty key character. But just it, it further confirmed that this is no longer the Cassian of episodes one through seven. This is a completely different Cassian. He is now much more like his mother where he understands, hey, it's not all about me and, and getting my thing and, and doing what I want to do. It, it's about doing the right thing for everybody, standing up for the, you know, the little guys and girls out there and fighting back against this empire now, which is locking people up for life and turning them into slave labor. And so it was a very definitive moment where he and Melshi make a pledge like, listen, great chance we're the only two that got out. And people need to know what is happening now. And you got to think no one else in the galaxy, they, they know the PROD has been out there, but all that was to, you know, reevaluate sentences and maybe increase them. They don't know that it means once you're locked up in this empire now, you're locked up until you die. Yeah. Uh, so there is yeah. no getting out, period. The, the, the prison life changed him uh meeting Kino meeting people like Melshi Olaf all those guys in there changed him and this scene just cemented that fact but Nick I, I think that really the big moment and I was going to touch on it in our uh, easter eggs and references but this scene mirrors Cassian's end in Rogue One where he is looking out to the horizon at a bright flashing light and, and now you got to wonder when you're watching that scene is Cassian thinking like hey Look what I did, mom. You know, I know I mean, you, you, you never, gotta, you never got to see who I became. Yeah, I left and, you know, I was still all about me and being safe and getting my money. But look what I have achieved it's in the, the name two of times, rebellion. It's the two times his life ended. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, this is the life that he led prior to 
officially dedicating himself to the rebellion that, ends you're, right you're here. Right. That, that's perfect way to describe it. Like that, that is a demarcation point in Cassian's yeah. life. Was that the call he got learning that his mom died, but also him and Melshi committing to the cause, essentially saying, yeah, we, we need to go spark the motherfucking rebellion. Like Nick said at the start of the show, it, it's, it's going to be up to people like you and me to do this. And as he's looking out, I think he's thinking in his head, like, all right, I, I, I got to go to Ferrix. We, we know that's, that's a done deal, even though it's the worst fucking decision. A man two times on the run now, right? I mean, he's, he was on the run before he got locked up. He got locked up for not being on the run. Now, now he's an escaped convict, but he's going to go back to one of the hottest zones in the empire right now because of Aldani and his initial killing of some Morlan, Morlana one Morlana. security pros. Yeah. Uh, but I think Nick's, Nick is right. He, this is it. This is a, a chapter has ended for Cassian and he is looking out knowing that things are going to get kind of interesting moving forward. Cause I am even more so than before I learned that my mom was dead. I am going to dedicate myself to rebellion. But first, I'm going to do something really stupid and go back and go to my mom's funeral and probably get a and lot more probably, of my friends killed there yeah. and fuck shit up. But at least we'll get the party started on Ferrix. Rebellion time. <laughs> Rebel time, baby. Here we go. No, th- th- there's no doubt. Like I said, the Marva funeral surprise is going to be the official kickoff of the rebellion on Ferrix for those yeah. people. Oh, it's going to be a big fuck you to the empire presence there. And, you know, it's going to be a coming out party for everybody, including our man Andor. All right, man, let's get into those Easter eggs and references for Andor S1E11, Daughter of Ferrix. There there was a few good ones this time, unlike last week. Um, uh, But still few and far between, which is quite all right. I'm I'm glad when the art department doesn't get a chance to (laughs) place shit on set. I actually had someone be like, hey, man, you missed the tablets. You missed this. You missed that. I'm like, bro, where you been? Like, I'm not going to repeat everything in in the antiquity antiquity shop every time we go there. Like, we get it. There's lots of fucking Easter eggs. Uh, But a cool one starting up. I always like seeing ships in live action, especially when they are very rarely used. And we got early on. As the uh, as Melshi and Cassian were hanging on to the cliffside, we got to see the good old Tie Reaper, which was actually first used in Rogue One, uh, and now a very fun ship to have in Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes. Uh, there you go, Devin. He knows what's happening with those funeral bricks. You know it. I mean, as we said earlier, you do not put that much focus on that tradition, that ritual, without it being paid off on. Yeah. How about this one, Nick? You know, we were both wondering, how are these dudes going to get off planet? Never did I think just two local random alien fishermen in a quad jumper would be the answer, but we got it. So uh, that's more than likely not the quad jumper that Ray wanted to use instead of the Falcon, but same (laughs) model. And it was a nice kind of callback to that scene in the in the Force Awakens. Hey, speaking of those fishermen. Even with captions on i had a hard time understanding what the fuck they're saying but does their choice make any sense to where they're like yeah let's sell them to the empire kill them and and get our money and then within two seconds they're like ah fuck it let's let them go yeah (laughs) i mean honestly i don't know if these people they they may have never dealt with the empire before but also like 
there is like there are two aliens that are walking up to the empire with like two. Do you think that's going to go well for you, alien guy? They're probably going to fucking take your ass too. Like yeah, especially now that they know that they've had a prison break on this yeah. planet, and you know one of the pods has fully emptied all its five thousand humans out. It yeah. was just weird how I mean they were. It was one second to one second. I, I'm not even talking like thirty seconds down the road. They're like, yeah, let's. Let's sell them. Fuck the empire. Let's get our money. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck the empire. Let's let them go. And oh, do you guys need a ride? We'll take it, even though our planet is probably under heavy surveillance and security right now. But we'll fly away on our quad jumper and drop you off on space, Florida. Uh, Hey, (laughs) they got their aliens, though, right? There you go. A lot of people wanted aliens. Now we got them. I'm not quite sure what the fuck they were saying, though. All right, so uh, back to Luthen Space ba- Space Bada. You can tell I've been talking too long here. I'm starting Space to get rubber, rubber-lipped here. Bugga boogie. <laughs> uh, lots of cool things here. First and foremost being the, the obvious one, but you get the Cantwell class, and it's referred to as a Cantwell class arrestor cruiser, arrestor. which is fantastic. Um, this actually, Nick, appeared in the recruiting video in Solo when Han was uh, being recruited. Damn, but this is the guess. first time we actually got to see the Cantwell class arrestor in live action, in use, being used. And this was designed way back in the 70s by Colin Cantwell, who is credited with designing a lot of our kick-ass ships in Star Wars. So it was awesome to kind of get to see it out there. Uh, but the other reason we're talking about this scene, if you remember, when he's looking for a, a call sign or a different transponder code, he uses one from Alderaan. So you get that mention there. It's like, hey, let's let's throw Alderaan under the bus and make them look like yeah, they're doing like, shady shit. That's why they picked them to blow the planet up. <laughs> well, yeah, like, it that is. one fucking craft. He was from Alderaan. Yeah. <laughs> that and Princess Leia being uh, the stepdaughter of Organa, that sealed their fate. Um, that is nice to, to see this this ship. It is a wild looking fucking ship, but it maintains that empire aesthetic. Uh, and you had to love, man, the way he got around it, opening with that flechetti. Yeah, a, a volley of flechettis to just shred that, that disc, crazy. which also you know dislodged the tractor beam. That was sweet. Um, speaking of tie variants we got another one this episode during the space battle when we see a tie bomber drop out of the hangar uh, alongside two traditional ties so um i'm always a fan of the empire's vehicles they always look cooler even though they're not necessarily on my list because the empire vehicles while they look cool they're all very sterile they don't have personality you know what i mean so None of them have they're, cool paint jobs. You can't exactly. put any sort of like... Hunk of uh, junks. Uh, their, yeah. their hyper drives don't break all the time and make that... Wee, 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 sound, you know, so... Uh, but they sure as hell look cool, and they are powerful. And then the last one, I, we just talked about it, so no reason to really uh, put too much more time on it, but Cassian's Ocean Stare. A, uh, definitely paralleling the moment in Rogue One where he is, is looking out to the ocean knowing that his fate has been sealed. And as like Nick said here, his fate is about to change as he looks to the horizon and thinks of rebellion. Yeah. Okay, so thoughts, got that, got that. Now this is kind of a a random one here. But would you agree with this statement? Luthen Rael is the Sheev Palpatine of the Rebel Alliance. 
Interesting way to put it. Um, in terms of long game planner and dabbles in the dark. Not necessarily dark side, but we'll, we'll do some pretty heinous things to get his plan to come to fruition. He, he is ruthless, and he has that, that ruthless type of attitude that Palpatine does. The long game part of it I find interesting because he's, he's actually trying to do the opposite of a long game. Like, he's well, trying I, to... You're, you're yeah. right. At this stage, it's accelerating. But remember, he's been doing this for 15 years yeah. up till Aldani. But you are now, you're correct, we are in an accelerationist period. Yeah. I will say that, that I don't know. I mean, it is kind of close. It, it, they are pretty similar. I was going to say that, that Palpatine is much more manipulative and has, it actually worked his way into power purely based off of manipulation. Oh, oh there, uh, in and, terms of who is better at, at this, Palpatine, oh, yeah. it's not even close. Like he, he took yeah. over fucking galaxy. But Luthen on a, on a slightly smaller scale is, is motivating a galaxy to rebel. Yeah and, and, yeah, so. and and ultimately, it's going to take damn near twenty years for the first actual deadly punch to take place, and that's the destruction of Death Star One. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, that that may be a good categorization that he is kind of the 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 Palpatine of the rebellion because he does have, you know, while to a lesser degree, he does have similar methods of manipulation. He does have uh, like multiple. Like, uh, you know, like he is very good at hiding his identity from from most of the galaxy, except for the people who need to know it the most. Um, very close circle of trusted companions like Palpatine. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, actually like a pretty decent categorization. All right. Again, I, I don't really know why I wrote that down. It could be after <laughs> I was... Uh trying some of my medicine who knows but it seemed like an idea that we could potentially discuss so thank you for your thoughts tones we'll catch you later real quick tones is was not wrong we're going to move into our predictions for the finale um but before he leaves or if he hasn't left already there is going to be a a post credit scene here all right okay and the post credit scene is going to pay off on the prison stuff and what they were doing in the prison and if you are a follower of the SWTS and you actually pay attention, it is a speculation win for yours truly. All right? That's all I'm going to say. So post-credit in the finale, and it, the post-credit deals with what happened on Narkeena 5 and, and kind of what was going on there. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so you're saying he's a Jedi. Back to Luthan. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, I, I can't commit either way, and I know I, I usually can be very committal. Um, <laughs> I, I, the, the most I can say, and I don't want to go back down the Lutheran rabbit hole, is the, the, he, he definitely is tangentially tied to the Force. How's that? <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there, there, there could be some forcery in his past. <laughs> Or, in, yeah, somewhere in his past or his family, for sure. Yeah, it's family-related or forcery. I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that, so. Okay. All right, Nick, um, I, let, I'll, since I've been yammering here, the, the finale, I think, is, is honestly pretty laid out for us. I mean, I mean, outside of 
exactly what what the outcome is going to be on Ferrix. But uh, I, I believe a, a bulk of the finale will be Ferrix based. As I said, all the chess pieces have been moved there thanks to episode 11. Cyril's on his way, stole his mom's money. He's going to get himself a ride there for sure. Uh, I, I believe Dedra was headed there in, in the little brief scene she got in episode 11. Yep. Uh, you know Cassian is not going to be able to keep himself from going back there. He was there literally a day after stealing uh, the quarterly payroll for an imperial sector. The guy just isn't smart when it comes to the feelings he has for mom, which I'm sure most of us can, can you know, kind of get down with. It. Family's yeah. family. Um. Clearly, the daughters of Ferrix, uh, via the passing of Marva, have something planned. I think it is going to be explosive at this funeral. Cyril's uh, headed there, too? Yep. Yep. He's he's going to be on Ferrix. Uh, who else do we have to worry about? Luthen, Vel, and Cinta. Clearly, that yeah. operation has been in place for episodes. Cinta's on top of them. Uh, the fact that they kind of have Cinta and the ISB spy talking now, that could lead to something where either the ISB spy spots Cinta as a spy or vice versa, where they kind of figure out both are spying at the same time. And that could lead to some hijinks. And ultimately, does Luthen get involved? That's that's the deal. I mean, after what just happened to him, I mean, he... He just had a risky mission to Sager Milo that Clea didn't want him to do. <laughs> After that one, he almost got blown up or boarded. Yeah. Uh, so the, the heat's really up there. So does Luthen himself go there, or does he just continue to work through Vel and Cinta on Ferrix? That's the one thing I don't quite know. And, and ultimately, w- what happens right before the credits roll? I, I do think there's a win for the good guys, and, and we have some rebellion started on Ferrix thanks to the daughters of Ferrix, the arrival of Cassie and, and the mistakes of, of Cyril Karn. And that's really going to piss off Dedra if we don't learn that she is indeed Cassian's sister. Yeah. Do you think you're going to get the, uh, the ringing of the, the bells like we did Fuck last yeah, time? Dude. When things, I, I uh, hope to when... God they bust out the, the, uh, Ferrix, uh, ring alert system. Yeah, you know, like ding, ding, ding. It just I, something's. It's going to be a big event. This this funeral is going to be a surprise that the Empire won't soon forget. Nor will Freedom Fighters. I mean, this to me, it's going to be kind of like a, a another Aldani in terms of the Empire going. Holy shit! There there is something happening now. Like this is. Aldhani was one thing we thought we could, you know, shut everyone up with the PROD and, and tightening our grip. But now this is happening on Ferrix. We have a legitimate problem at this point in time. I, I mean, I, I think that's how big of an event uh, Marvis funeral is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think but the true the- end, I, I just I, the true end's hard for me. I mean, is it a, a full positive ending, Nick, or... Is no. there some tragedy mixed in? Oh, there's definitely uh, tragedy. I mean, Bix uh, is dead. Like she's fucking toast. See, There's no way she I, stays I think, alive. I think whatever her name spoiled that though already. Oh, I think the in an interview she talked about season two and when filming starts and all that. So. Why? Like why? You're trying to get Cassie into a point to where he has nothing left. Ex- I mean, maybe they kill all these characters in season two, but like you're not doing right. any yourself any favors by leaving these people alive any longer. Like. You're trying to get him to the point to where he was, where he ices this dude, 
when he first, like in the beginning of Rogue One, where he literally has nothing. He has nothing left but the rebellion. And if you leave all of his friends alive, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you know who you know who I think eats it for sure. Uh, Brasso. Bra- I would say Brasso, the guy who takes the droid. Brasso. Yeah. I think Brasso. Maybe Brasso eats it and <laughs> saving B two. Like he throws B two in the Cassian ship as he pulls away and he gets blown up. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, the 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 very end just is eluding me right now. Uh, I, I just I. Uh, I can't envision it for some reason. I mean, after the big surprise and the serial fuck up, what is the ultimate end? Like what, what happens? Is it, is it like an ending like empire strikes back? You thinking where there's, there's a small victory, but the, but the bad guys still seem like they have the upper hand or is it going to be more like a good guy centric ending, like a new hope? I I do think that the ending is going to essentially be like, the rebellion is now like out there. Like there is now like the ISB will be able to say like, there is an official rebellion underway. Um, Cause I think at this point, even Patagaz has been like, there's, you know, localized activity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think like now there will be like a rebellion is brewing at the very least for the, for the rebel faction or for like our main characters. I do think there's going to be loss um brasso is a good call i hope that other important characters die to the that are in this show at least i think i think that ferrix is i think that the big thing is going to be that like ferrix is gonna after whatever happens here ferrix is gonna be like a fucking prison colony like they're gonna they're gonna take that planet and they're gonna make an example of it and i feel like that may be the big thing is like yeah you get your you get your w here as a as a rebel um, during this funeral, but what comes after for the planet of Ferrix is going to be like just hardcore Imperial oppression. None of this, like, Oh, we're hanging around and we're going to like keep eyes on everybody. It will be an all out, like, uh, yeah, like shoot first, situation. ask questions later type of scenario. Not yeah. even like Neomos where you get arrested for being a tourist here. Yeah. If, if Cassian was Keith, they would have just fucking shot him in the face or let the yeah. security droid choke him out. Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think it is more like an empire ending where it's like, all right, we, we can see that the good guys are getting wins, but fuck, it doesn't doesn't look good for them. They, yeah, they're also taking it in the, in the mouth right now. So, yeah, the W is I'm not good. I'm not off on the on the B2 sacrifice either, but I, I still think there's a oh, hey, B2's gone, but you, you'll get the we back them up. You know, kind of like the C3PO thing in, in Tross. I'm still holding out that that B two has some sort of connection to K two. I just I, I see that through line for some reason. Yeah, I'm excited. I uh, I am genuinely excited for this. Like I said, I I, um, I got the day off. That's one good thing about my profession. Uh, around holidays, we we get lots of time off, uh, but I'll still get up early and and probably make myself feel like I'm working. But I am I'm excited to see how this all resolves because I I do think it's going to. I think it's going to have a, a great ending that makes the, the first season feel justified and, and like things were paid off on. But I also think it's going to keep us wanting more and, you know, kind of on the edge of our seats waiting for season two, which, you know, they, they they're just starting filming, I think, today or tomorrow or at least by Friday. Uh, so there's no chance we're getting this until 2024. Yeah, no, this is definitely not coming out next year. I mean, I think that next year... I mean, you have what Ahsoka. You have 
Bad Batch. Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew. Skeleton and Mando crew. and Bad Batch. I mean, that, that's four yeah, that's tentpole four style shows. So I think they're 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 clean and in the clear for 23. Yeah. Uh, and then 24, you, you'd have Andor 2 and the Acolyte and, you know, possibly Mando S4 if it pushes to the I mean, uh, we also of, have to... Year. I mean, now, like, if we want to, we can kind of transition into this this other piece that we kind of touched on earlier. But like, we did this lineup and what's in development may change significantly now that there's been a huge change. Oh, you want to go to Bobby Boy? All right, let's go to Bobby Boy. Yeah, because uh, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with just like general Disney news, um, Bob Chappick, the CEO who took over after Bob Iger uh, in 2020. Um, has been fired. Like he, it wasn't like he stepped down. They fired his ass because this was uh, a pretty big loss. Like Disney took a pretty big loss in terms of like financials and quarterlies, uh, in this most recent report. And uh, Disney board has rehired Bob Iger as the CEO of two years. Of Disney. Uh, yeah, he's two years, and his mandate. Uh, is to set the strategic direction for renewed growth. So and find another replacement. <laughs> that they literally yeah, that's in I mean, there too. Like he's like I, I, I don't think this guy wants to be doing this shit. I mean he's he's rich as fuck. He probably just wants to be hanging out on yachts and islands. And uh, but they had to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, and I can understand why when you're Disney. And hey, you riff have, on this for a second. For the first time in a long time, I'm going to piss my pants. So sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I got it here for, for a second for sure. So, I mean, in this situation, you have to figure that that you have the largest growing streaming service on the planet. Disney Plus is, is has higher user growth um, than any other streaming platform on the market right now. You have uh, the most popular movie franchise in the world right now in the Marvel Universe. And you have licenses for one of the the more popular, uh, you know, uh, products out there in Star Wars. And with Chappic, they were unprofitable. They were losing money. Um, from what insiders have said, he was really screwing up the entire parks business by raising prices so much. I mean, one thing that Star Wars fans can see that in is the cost that it that it was to to try to go to. Um, Galactic Battle Cruiser, like the uh, the Halcyon Hotel in Star Wars, it was three thousand dollars a night. In fact, as a Disney Vacation Club member, I literally during this podcast just got an email saying that all Disney Vacation Club members now have thirty percent off of stays at um at the Halcyon Hotel. Um, so bringing Bob Iger back is not just going to be like, okay, well Bob Iger's back, we're going to make more money, like. Bob Iger is going to take a review of everything that's in development probably and say like, Hey, we're going to nix this. We're going to change this. We're going to do this different. We're going to make a movie here. We're going to make a show here. And, and, and basically you're going to be in a position to where a lot of projects that are, that have been announced may, may have some changes done to them for profitability reasons. Um, and given the fact that one of the big losers, even though it was a massive, you know, it is, it, it is massive in terms of the streaming world. One of the big losers was Disney plus. Um, it's, it's still just mind blowing. Like how do these people fuck this stuff up? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if like they just completely underestimated how many people were going to take advantage of these bundles. Well, yeah, and, it's, and it's but but you're but I mean, come on, man. Like you you got smart people there. You got people that understand data. Like you couldn't have figured out a price point even for bundles where you at least make a profit. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I mean. I don't know how all of that went down. I will say that like the people that like when this happened, I followed a lot of people who like worked like affiliated with Disney talent for Disney, stuff like that. They all hated Chappic, all of them. Like it, it was Phil Shostak, the guy who is like w- one of these like Star Wars historians that works for, for Lucasfilm and Disney. Like when, when it came down that Chappick got fired and Iger replaced him. He put up this cheeky post of like the post of like Luthen in, in Andor when he's got his wig on and he's like standing all like happy and funny in his, <laughs> in his shop and just yeah. superimposed over it. He just put a W W. So like, as in when, like people hated Bob Chappick for whatever reason, I don't know interior, like uh, the, all the interior stuff that was happening over there. People, people hated him. Didn't like to work for him. Um, but I will say that this is going to have an effect on star Wars almost assuredly. So, um, 2023 might be a locked in, like, this is what we're getting. I would say just reset your expectations for 2024 and beyond. Cause with, with, with Iger now back in charge, um, the, the landscape for star Wars could look very different. Well, yeah, dude, um, I mean, you're, you're spot on because, at this point, and we just reported this a few casts ago, Star Wars was off the map until 2025 on Disney's movie roadmap. This is a real thing. It, it, you know, this isn't speculative. It, it came out. They, they always, these studios will put out the roadmap for a few years down the line. And everything was, was gone outside of Star Wars title 2025. So with Iger being back, we, we could get back to the initial plan of you know, every other year rolling out a, a Star Wars movie or every year rolling out a Star Wars movie or at least putting more focus on Star Wars because it does seem under Chappick's rule that uh, at least the movie side of the house, there, there, there was zero fucks given. And I, I think some of that stems from the mistakes Iger made. Like, I, I'm a, this is my opinion on Bob. Bob was, he was in charge for buying of Star Wars, kind of setting the edicts to what to do with it, the the sequel trilogy, so on and so forth, you know, reading scripts, watching dailies, all that shit. And, and he's the guy that, you know, allowed these decisions to be made of, oh, let's do a different director and script screenwriter for every movie. Uh, oh, hey, Solo's having all sorts of fucking problems. We had to bring in another director and throw hundreds of millions of more dollars at it. But yeah, let's go ahead and keep it on its same spring release window, even though it, it didn't even get finished until a day or two before it was supposed to come out because Mary Poppins was coming out in December. So uh, Bob is also responsible for the Star Wars movie plans getting blowed the fuck up. But yeah. Yeah. Nick's not wrong. When you have a leader that people love, whether he deserves the love or not, I, I, I don't like any CEO because I think they're way overpaid and they make too much money based on the work that the actual workers do. But I'm not going to get into that shit. If people love that guy at the company, better things are going to happen. Better products are going to come out. Better shows are going to be made. Better movie scripts are going to be written. It, it is going to change things. Nick is not wrong at all. I just hope 
that he does get the Star Wars movie shit back together and we aren't sitting at three years out thinking well, we're going to get anything. Uh, he he should have a plan and and I think he will double down and, and back up anything Kathleen wants to do at this point. Yeah. And, and, and here's, I'm going to be honest with you guys and or may be in trouble. And let me like, let's just be real. Andor's probably the least watched Star Wars TV show. Probably also had one of the highest budgets because they Dude, chose. You don't. You don't have to say. Probably it is. I mean, I, I look yeah. at the Nielsen's and they're usually two or three episodes behind. But last week the Nielsen came out for, I think it was Andor episode six or seven, and it was like seven or eight in top ten streaming. Where yeah, I mean, most mostly most of the time Star Wars will shoot up to like the the ones twos dude. or threes. Yeah, and, and even if if you compare watch minutes to Book of Boba Fett or Kenobi, they are at this point in the series in terms of total minutes, they are doubling the amount of watch minutes that Andor has. Yeah, I mean, so if I'm if I am Bob Iger, I'm coming and I'm doing a review of all content. I say. I look at all of our, our Disney Plus shows. Tony, you're in at, the volume, pal. <laughs> yeah, I look at Andor and I'm like, how much money did we spend to make this show? Is it more or comparable to what we spent on the other shows? It's more or comparable and we have less than half of the viewing time. I'm sorry, Andor. You make some changes or you're out the door. It's not about what people like us think. Like... We're going to sit here and we're going to suck Andor's dick because, you know, it's a great piece of, of media. Yeah, but all it's not bringing people in. It's not even getting the people who were watching the other Star Wars shows. No, dude, and you're no arguably paying more to make it. Like, I mean, in the end, the, these guys are charged with what? What's a CEO's ultimate goal or it's job? It's dollars in the door, baby. Like, Not even that. Increasing the stock price. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's I mean, it. And so and Nick is like Nick's that. not wrong, but I, like, I mean, Bob's the one that, that killed the movie plans initially when he realized the money wasn't coming in after solo. He's the one who's like, okay, fuck this, a star Wars story shit. We're killing this experiment after two rogue one and solo done. We only, we didn't make our money on this one. So we're canceling it. So yeah, while, while Bob might be artist friendly and, and it does seem that the culture over there prefers a Bob Iger versus a Bob Chappick. Bob Iger's still coming in uh, looking to make cash. And, and if that means we're not going to get as many practical sets or effects in Andor, then that's what it's going to mean. Yeah. I don't think Andor's going anywhere. I think it's, it's too out there and planned and produced. Like literally they're, they're shooting now. So Unless Bob's going all Warner Brothers and is willing to take tax credits and just canceling hundreds of millions of dollars of already spent money, then I think Andor's safe. But Nick's not wrong. I mean, there there's probably going to be a, a lot of decisions changes. being made, and uh, who knows? I mean, some even some of the planned TV content may get restructured. Yeah, I mean, you have to figure that if you're dump like your Star Wars, if you're Lucasfilm, you're dumping all of your money into Disney plus shows and Disney plus is one of the biggest sinkholes in Disney right now. Well, well that, that, that was the loss, right? Nick, it was, it was like $1.4 billion in direct to consumer division, whatever the fuck that is. And I'm assuming that's, that's direct the to consumer streaming, is streaming. Yeah. Direct to consumer uh, is streaming. So like, I mean, what do you do at that point? Like, 
take take your love of Star Wars. They've out already of it. they've already increased subscription fees, right? I mean, we all yeah, pay more money for Disney Plus for now. Fees. I think it was ninety nine cents. They raised them ninety nine cents for everybody. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I I, th- I still think it's good, but um, you know, I, I'm a, like Trevor's saying, Chappic was was a finance guy. Like, to me, Chappic did always feel like a a corpo. He, yeah. He's your fucking suit and tie jerk off that makes millions of dollars on the backs of everyone else's hard work. Iger is that too, but Iger is more of the artsy fartsy type. I mean, he, he wanted to get a little more, uh, he was getting dailies. I, I forget what series it was. I don't know if it was solo or it was or Mando what, but, season one. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He was but, like, he, he was I like, watched oh, yeah, all of the, give the him episodes notes and this and that. So, I mean, he yeah. isn't that hands off, but Iger is definitely more, artist friendly so yeah so i mean we'll, we'll see i mean I, I i think it's a good thing uh, uh, and anything that gets cut hopefully is just fat and it's not being cut just to cut like warner brothers does i, I don't i don't see Iger doing that but he will trim fat if it needs trimmed yeah i mean it really depends on really how much like what their burn rate is like if he sees like a like a high burn rate then it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he handles that um, so hey, yeah. uh, how's, how's your business doing these days with, with what's going on with Twitter and people re realigning ad buys and uh, have you noticed anything? I mean, I, I never advertised on Twitter for any of my brands okay, because Twitter is so. not really a good, but I will say though, that like the, the amount of ad money that's leaving Twitter is going to make it harder for the other platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Google and stuff like that. Cause people are going to, it's not like they're just going to be like, okay, well, Twitter ads or we're turning off our Twitter ads. Let's just not spend that money. Like they're putting that money into other platforms. So yeah, I mean, it definitely has kind of like a downhill effect on everything else, but I mean, um, it's a, it's an interesting ordeal to watch. I mean, it's, it's, it's sucky because of how many people no longer have a livelihood with what he's doing with Twitter, but it's, it's interesting to watch powerful people burn shit down with ideas that aren't really thought through. So I that's we'll, one we'll thing see what happened. Yeah. That's I, one I haven't I jumped said. anywhere yet. I, I'm just, I'm like, I could care less. I mean, I did, I can tell I'm getting older and older because you yeah. know, people are going to, to, to hive is the big one this week. Last week. Hi, it was hive is, yeah. I, this I, week it's hive. Everyone's going to hive. And it's like, ah, yeah. oh, well, I don't really care. I made a hive account. And the only reason I did is because Stake the in Star your name, right? Is well, no. Star Wars people move there. Like the Star Got Wars, it. like greater Star Wars kind of uh, Twitter move there, like in mass. Uh, Got yeah. So a lot of people from there move there, and then like the gaming industry too. Like gaming industry really didn't. Yeah, adopt I guess. I mean, if, if we were if we were smart, we probably should go there before it gets too crazy and and try to establish the brand there, since we're like. Yeah. Small fish on all the existing big platforms. I'll, I'll make us a hive account. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. And, hive us up. And, yeah. And then, um, but that's, that's kind of how it is right now is like, you have a lot of these, like you have a lot of freedom. Now you have a lot more like the chokehold on, on social media has loosened quite a bit. And I used Mastodon and I, I see the benefit in it in a, like a decentralized social network that, that like, you don't have with hive, but it also like Mastodon has a level of complexity that I feel like a lot of people are just like the, the, the vast majority of the general public is not going to flow to. 
Like well, that just, could be good because that means like the the mouth breathers and cellar dwellers probably won't want to deal with the complexity and they'll just stay away. Yeah. So well, so the, Mastodon, but I will say that Mastodon already has a problem with like neo Nazi like decentralized <laughs> servers and factious <laughs> shit like that. It's just like it like that. That's already been popping up in, on freedom Mastodon. Freedom of speech, man. I'm a freedom <laughs> of speech abolitionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Even though I'll, I'll kick people off if they make fun of me, but yeah, free speech. Yeah. Uh, fucking genius, Hive my ass. is one where it's like to me, Hive is like a perfect mix between Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Right. Um. So if you want to uh, follow on Hive, I will create the Star You're Wars. Fire it up. Yeah, right, we probably won't Star post Wars anything to stuff. it, but it'll be there. Because I mean, Instagram yeah. is, is still the probably the only social network I use at this point. Like, yeah. actually go and look at, and that's really because I'm a creep, and the algo has learned. And Nick, if you ever want to cash in on the algo, just fire up Star Wars Time Show on your phone and you'll see all Reels content is essentially just girls and moms looking good and, and doing the thing that girls and moms do on TikToks and Reels. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's, like, I think I looked at two of... or three of them. Now everything is fucking like either hot girls golfing or, you know, girls doing the dances or the girls doing voiceovers with their boobs hanging out. So, well, I'm a that caveman. Is, yeah. That is what, uh, that's definitely what's taken over Instagram and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'll make us a hive cause I'm on All hive right. right now. Um, and I post some of my AI artwork over there. So if you want to see any of that shit, you can go follow me on hive. It's to put up a poll that, if we should see. reinstate Darth Vader on the platform. Yeah, no, put it, let Darth Vader. Cause that back makes on sense hive. too. It's like, I mean the poll, like do you host a, a very uh, like a lightning rod poll. It's hosted on your own account, so it only goes to your followers mostly. And most of your followers are probably from the far right at this point in time. But yeah, that's that's democracy on Twitter now. It's like, okay, dude, yeah, you got it. Yes, the people Crazy. have spoken. Put Trump back on, even though you ran the poll from your account. There's nothing shady about that. Yeah. Oh, I digress. Who gives a shit, right? The world's <laughs> going to hell in the handbag anyways. We just got to wait for it to explode. So you, you might go. as well have your fun and talk Star Wars. All right, man, uh, let's move on to this next quick hitter here, and then we'll get to the fan segment and shut this episode down for good. Uh, but those of you that still get into gaming and like Star Wars games, we just want to let you know, uh, not that this should be shocking news, but the Game Awards coming up on December 8th, uh, there's a good chance you're going to get the official debut of Jedi Survivor. Or not the official debut, because then we already get kind of a debut trailer or something like that. Yeah, I think we already got something from it, but it's going to be like a more substantial dive into Jedi Survivor for sure. Yeah, according to Insider Gaming, which is this Tom Henderson guy, a legit source in gaming, uh so the announcement at the Game Award for Jedi Survivor is going to have a new trailer, the release date, and a pre-order date. Uh, it's believed the announcement will be made 30 minutes into the show. So there you go. For those that Keep are excited to return to Cal Kestis, uh, I'm, I'm not really that, that pumped. I, I'm definitely going to play it because why not? You know, it's a Star Wars video game. But uh, Cal Kestis just does nothing for me at all. I, 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 I don't, I almost just don't like the guy at this point in time. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll play it just to see how the story continues and stuff. I really want to see what they do with the combat because obviously that was one thing that, that was kind that of That sucks too. But you know they're not going to change it. You know they're not going to change it. It would be difficult to change it at this point. I mean, people they, liked they, it. I mean, I think I'm the only asshole that shit talks it every chance I get. It's, I, I just, it makes no sense for a lightsaber game. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, we, like, we are not into it because that's not what we grew up with. But the younger generation is definitely more into this, like, like you said, kind of souls born style hey, game. Listen, I'm, I'm all about those that want to be challenged, but, but do it with mechanics that make sense for the physics that the game world gives you. A lightsaber is never going to be swung like it weighs two tons. It's not a broadsword. I mean, essentially what they're doing in, in the Fallen Order or whatever, the, the Jedi series, I guess is what it should be called, is everything is the Darksaber. Every fucking yeah. lightsaber that Cal touches yeah. is a Darksaber until he becomes friends with it and masters his emotions. <laughs> he's going to swing it like it's a sledgehammer. I just... Make the game challenging, but with with swift, twitchy lightsaber combat. That's what a fucking lightsaber is, okay? They're not going... Whoosh, whoosh, parry, dodge, whoosh, parry. I mean, come on. It doesn't even look natural. Yeah. I mean, you should I mean, be doing, you should be doing flips in the air and fucking, you know what lightsaber combat should look like? What it looks like in the Clone Wars. All right. When Ahsoka yeah. fought Maul or when we just saw Ahsoka with those fucking training droids and Kanan was popping little chubs as a Padawan going, oh my God, <laughs> look at how she moves. Not Jesus. He's got a load in his pants. Like, what, what's going on today? Is that the dark saber? Because those blades should not be swung like they have that much weight. Sorry. True. True. <sighs> but um, yeah, I, I think this game's going to be dropping March March twenty three, and I think it's next gen only, which bodes well for at least yeah, its, that, its systems and visuals and all that fun stuff. That makes sense. At this point, anything that comes out should be next gen only. It I mean, should, we, but it's. It, it's taken a lot, way longer to switch off of the PS4, Xbox One generation. We're, than we're it two years, it, it, and they still can't keep the new consoles in stock. It's it's fucking wild. But blame it on Joe Biden. All right, let's get into that fan segment, my friend. We do it every week. One of the only Star Wars fan podcasts out there to bring in their own fans. You know that's probably why no one likes us. You never know. But we're here. We're going to do it. We're going to get through it. There's always two ways to get involved. The one way seems to be like it's dying, and that's the question of the week. Uh, I was a little, a little late this week, but uh, it seems the algorithm hid this well for most of you, or uh, most of you didn't feel like uh, replying, responding to the question of the week. But that is one way to get involved. So uh, this week's question of the week is not much different than the last few. What was your favorite or least favorite part? Of Andor episode 11, the one with space lasers. The one with space lasers. Um, That's right. Yeah, we only have three total responses here. So, (laughs) well, you know. I'll go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll get get my man Rippick here. So, Rippick underscore underscore tan. Another fantastic episode. I really enjoyed the dialogue of the fisherman aliens. Okay. I didn't. I rewatch with subtitles, and those guys have some awesome phrases. All right, yeah, they they definitely had a unique bit of slang, but in terms of trying to understand their plan to make money, turn them in, and then 
fuck it, let's go. Just it didn't really make sense to me, but okay. Maybe Narcanans uh, are just really flaky. They can't. Yeah, they they did seem a little loopy. Like you know, they might have been drinking while they were fishing. Uh, yeah. So Rip it continues. I also cracked up when Cassian went back to his hotel room on Neomos, and there was an alien sleeping in his bed, and that was the same species as a sleeping cellmate of Jin Urso when she was in prison during Rogue One. Just a sleepy species, I guess. Uh, if you note, there was actually two aliens in that bed, and it seems like that that's like a kind of like a whorehouse where you <laughs> you go with a woman, you, you you do what you do or you go with anything, do what you do, take a shower and then uh, become a tourist and get arrested. Yeah, uh, but that that wasn't Cassian's home or anything. I hope everyone understood that he broke into that hotel room to get his canister his of credits and shit. All right. Good yeah, his stuff out of it. Sometimes I, I, I go to Reddit in the mornings to because they always do a big spoiler discussion. And, dude, some of the, the hot takes on there remind me why the, the Earth and humanity aren't long for this galaxy. It, it's like, <laughs> what, what show are you motherfuckers watching? Like, really? That's where your brain goes? Like, I mean, there are people like, oh, man, I can't believe Cassian's house was still open on Neomos and the Empire. Didn't. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, yeah, that's but, what? <laughs> but hey, it, it explains a lot, right? Like, I, I don't want to get into it, but it explains a lot. Uh, all right, go ahead for the two comments here. The two comments here. One is from at Star Wars underscore SW underscore black series underscore black underscore series underscore clips says hands down Luthen's ship stole the episode. How badass was that thing? It was also very cool to see the Cantwell class Ruster Cruiser get some solid screen time. Just a great scene, and Skarsgård plays the character here, like here. a boss. And then 2797 Studios, our good friend Bat says, Pew, 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 Luthen's ship was probably my favorite part of this last episode. I will say that given that all of, <laughs> that like most of these uh, responses were like, that ship at the very end was cool. Might be why the responses are a little low. Yeah. And we did say it was kind of a setup episode this time around. So um, no surprise there. But it is kind of disconcerting when like people are like, yeah, the coolest part of that whole episode was the ship. <laughs> it, it stands out, right? Flashy yeah. stuff, man. That the, In the end, that's, that's what Star Wars fandom comes down to. Laser lights and flashy shit. And pew pew pews, just like Bat's saying here, or his official title of two seven nine seven underscore studios. Two seven nine seven. Yeah, Four Bat studios. did sneak in here. He um he's he's back to work, back in the real world. So like tones, we're gonna miss him in the live streams here and there. But glad he still made it in. Hey, if you guys want to join in, look, we do fan stuff. We talk about you. We interact with you in the in the live stream. Sometimes we yell at you. Sometimes we fight with you. You never know. But that's the Star Wars Time Show. All right, man. So that was the uh, fan question of the week segment. Now it's time for the next opportunity for fans to get involved with an episode of the Star Wars Time Show. And that is via our top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. So this week we are breaking down awesome shots, awesome creations. It doesn't matter. It can be photography, art, poop. We don't care. As long as it's Star Wars, let us know about it. But we're covering 1115, 1122. So to get involved here, check 
for us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Any of your Star Wars content, make sure to add tag Star Wars Time Show and then use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Throughout the week, I will share various shots that live within these tags and hashtags. And then on Mondays, at least when he feels like doing it, Nick will pick the top five. I completely um, forgot this. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even realize until we started the show. Cause no, I was, I was like, like, I was like, I, I, Nick, Nick, he's, he's on holiday mode. So I'll just, I'll handle it this morning. But Holiday yeah, Nick, mode Nick, for me is like all of my clients <laughs> starting I mean. their Black Friday sales at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, I, I did. I, I made the choices this week, which which is not my favorite, not because I had to do the work, but I like when Nick surprises me with the shots because I've, I've already seen all these. So I kind of know what's coming. I do like to. I do like it better when Nick picks and I kind of see what he thought was cool. So now you're just getting another dose of what I thought was cool this week. But that's how you get involved. And here we go, my friend. Who did I pick first? Someone I think you also would have picked because you always go with a comedy for shot. at Lion Works when at Lion Works brings real life to Star Wars, in particular, the Mandalorian and his cub, Grogu. It's such so, a fun shot. The McDonald's yeah. <laughs> Happy Meal for little Grogu and his bassinet. Uh, you even get the big old golden arches there in the background. I mean, I it's so incredible how detailed this is, too. Incredible amounts of detail while also fitting in, like, a space McDonald's into the background. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, I'm assuming the McDonald's sign is is practical, but it, it could be digital. The, the Happy Meal that the Din is kind of taunting Grogu with is definitely looks like it's something that was printed out and, and colored in. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, Hey, we, we never knew on Arvala seven, they had a fucking McDonald's and, and this is what uh, Grogu and Mando got into after they uh, checked in again. Well, I guess Grogu wouldn't have been there. So this is, this is down the line. This is as they're, they're kind of visiting the galaxy in between season one and season two. Uh, but they stop by the McDonald's on Arvala 7 and get Grogu a little Happy Meal, and he looks extremely pleased to be getting some cholesterol-inducing food. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So at Lionworks Studio, uh, at Lionworks on Instagram, not Lionworks Studios. That's a different thing. Um, good stuff there. Next up in the top five this week, Matt has chosen at one Bill's- way out. One bricks. way out. One and way out. Yes, indeed. The one way out. So are these... So, Matt, what we're seeing here is some Lego figurines uh, harkening back to the Narkina five times on the in the, the yes, prison. Yes, it's, it's literally the, the, the one way out. Like, as, as yeah. Kina was saying, one way out, and they're all running out the hallway to the, the exit to make their egress. That's what Bill's bricks with a Z captured here. And, and Nick... They they almost it, it, it it's almost like our our boy what, what's his name fuck like the master brick panda where brick panda. you're looking at these and you're almost like is Bill's brick creating these in in like a, a 3D software are these real figures that's what I was gonna and, ask you is like are there, there's there's like because that, that's a, a Kino Loy minifig and that's a, a Cassie minifig and they're fucking perfect they got the prisoner yeah. uniforms everything you got other prisoners behind them so I, I, I if Bill is watching hopefully uh, they can share with us or maybe they'll leave a comment if we we share the post tomorrow after they view but i imagine nick this is a mix of like photoshop manipulation with practical lego pieces 
Because I, I do know, I do know Bill's Bricks is a big MOCer, like a, a my own creation person where, you know, it, this person has created Star Wars sets that don't exist just because they're fucking expert level Lego engineers. And, and that's what we're looking at here. I mean, th- this shot from Bill's Bricks of this Andor scene is not a set you can buy. Uh, so I think Bill MOC'd the fuck out of it and then uh, I'm assuming had to use some form of digital wizardry or possibly some of these Lego minifig customizers already have Kino Loy and, and Andor figures out there. But I'm a huge fan of Bill's Bricks at Bill's Bricks, B-R-I-C-K-Z on Insta because of their uh, Lego skills. Oh, yeah. Incredible Lego skills here. Um, no, I checked the, the regular post and doesn't say that these are custom. So I'm just going to assume that the Photoshop wizardry that, that Bill's bricks may have came in, came in handy here to, to really give this, uh, shot some, some, you know, good Lego and or vibes. So. Oh nice. yeah. I mean, look, look, look at this other set on his page there. I mean, the dude just Coronet city, Corellia six ABY. I mean, it looks like he, he built this for another, uh, another Lego collector, but that, but that, that's what I'm saying. That's kind of what Bill's bricks does. Uh, he, he's someone I'd imagine you could probably find on Lego masters, but mostly yeah. does it with pop culture stuff with a heavy slant on star Wars. I mean, look, he's got, he's got his own custom Jedi archive sets. I mean, just fucking killer stuff. Next level. If you like, Lego. if you like the Lego for sure. Yeah. I was saying next level Lego stuff here from at Bill's bricks. So make sure to go give them a follow next up. Is is a favorite of of both Matt and mine. Okay, we're, is, we're gonna have to drill into this one, Nick, because this is more than just this shot. But go ahead and and blow your load on the shot first, then we'll dig into the magic. There we go. So we have a shot here from at visual underscore approach underscore photo, and it is an absolutely beautiful pulled out shot of the Razor Crest inside of a a hangar with uh, Mando standing right outside of it. And I mean, we all know that that Sean, aka Visual Approach, is is always heavy on the detail in his shots. But what we see here is just some like real next level stuff. And if you go to his actual page, uh, the shot that we have featured here is just the first one. There are multiple shots here, and what you get to see is more inside of the uh, of the hangar you see that's all practical man that, that he built yeah. this fucking hangar <laughs> the dude built this fucking hangar it's like, crazy look at this thing look at this thing you get to see boba fett standing there with an atst walker um and then the 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 camera shot that kind of takes you inside of uh like he, he has like a uh like a video camera shot that goes inside of the hangar and shows you all the details, all the building that he did for this diorama and the lighting behind it and all like the full setup. I mean, it is absolutely it, insane. The level of, a, of work it's that he's a, put in. It's obscene that, that <laughs> he has these abilities. Like this is ILM level model building at this point. Like th- this is beyond just making backgrounds for your fucking toy photography. This is full on Sean built an ILM quality set that could be used to film miniatures on a Star Wars movie. It's it's wild, man. I mean, everything in there is is handmade, handcrafted. The 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 stone walls, the the Empire you know style paneling. He made all that shit unbelievable i mean this this is why people like like sean you know have the followings they do and produce the level of art they do because it 
they have the ability to do this shit. Not only take the great pictures, but envision this diorama and build it from scratch. Yeah. Using lessons from the ILM legends. Like, I, I, yeah, he's like, since the release of the ILM VFX documentary on Disney Plus, I've been itching to build something, and here it is. Like, he's literally being motivated by those dudes from ILM in the 70s to make these practical sets. It's great shot, but really the the true gem of this scene is the diorama he built. Just unbelievable. I don't know like if he has a whole separate house at this point to keep all this shit in or <laughs> if if his wife has moved out, but I, I'd imagine his garage is has been overtaken by these sets because I mean this is for 118 scale, so you know the, the three and three quarter inch, but it's still fucking huge. I mean, the, the fact that the Razor Crest fits in there and it looks small in the image, but I can tell you it is big. That is big. Very yeah. big. Uh, I mean, you, you could have like a, a like pets live in this fucking diorama. That's how big it is. Throw <laughs> it's just a cat or two like in there. a small dog house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, oh, that's, what, that's the type of scale we're talking about. So kudos to at visual underscore approach underscore photo for the shot but more importantly for those fucking ILM level dio building skills incredible work as always uh next up an appropriate shot here from at tank toys and what we're looking at is the rogue one family so you see Bodie Rook you see Cassie Andor Jen Urso Cheerit Bays. You even see Chopper there in the back getting worked on by a tech. And a regular uh, rebel schmo, right? I mean, he's back Yeah, there just some too. rebel guy over <laughs> there doing some welding. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's just a great shot of like most of the cast of Rogue One all together and, um, you know, throwing in a little cameo there with Chopper. Uh, these are, are these the, the regular like black series one? Yeah. One, so six, these are, Nick, these are, these are actually, these are black series. So they're the six ins. Um, but these are the re-releases of the rogue one figure. So they don't look like they ate paint chips their whole life. Uh, so all, <laughs> all the face sculpts are improved. Everything looks more accurate to the, the cast. And it is, it, it's just a great uh, scene set up to me. It, it's very similar to, you know, some of the shots we got from Rogue One when they're in the hangar on Yavin 4 and, you know, these these misfits, the ones that want to go and, and, and challenge the Empire and scare for all just kind of milling around like, oh, shit, you know, they're, they're not letting us go. Gosh, darn it. Gee, Willikers. And, <laughs> and then, you know, they 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 come out and Jin and Cassian are essentially like, yeah, let, let's fucking do this. We're just going to do it. Who gives a shit? Uh, so it, it's just. It's like using toys to just capture a, a an average moment of life, except life just so happens to be set in Star Wars here. And that that's why it's brilliant. Like, it's just, you know, they're not doing anything special. There's no explosions. It's just, it's the Rogue One crew it's just the, doing the, their thing, biding their time before the big mission. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the kind of like the calm before the, the storming exactly. of the beach. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, good exactly. stuff there. Uh, next up in the top five, in the final entry into the top five this week is good old at Lente underscore Estelar underscore 44. First time feature here for the top five. And what we see from them is an awesome, badass Boba Fett shot. And when we're talking about badass Boba Fett, we're talking about pre-paint job Boba Fett. That's right. Acid, that, acid wash Fett. Yeah. 
acid fat from right out of the stomach of the uh, of the sarlacc and he's taken down stormtroopers immediately you see two stormtroopers falling at his feet and in the background you see two more getting exploded yeah. behind him We're probably kinda, from it, his jetpack rocket it's like that hero mode right where yeah. you know the hero's walking away as, as as things are blown up but the hero can't look they got to they got to look at the camera or look down and that's exactly what we're getting here you know boba is 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 posing in his badassness he's standing over the corpses of stormtroopers as two of their mates are being exploded behind them and it's it just a, it's a very boba correct type of shot that's that's badass Boba, not not the bozo that we at this point have mostly forgotten about. Uh, this is the man in all of his, you know, the Mandalorian resurgence glory. And, and I think Lente just kind of captured that moment on. Uh, what was that planet? Damn, I'm getting bad. The hell planet uh, were they on <laughs> with the fucking what? Jedi stone and all that? Oh, shit. that's um, to to. Tython? Tython. There we go. There we go. Good job, pal. Go eat some ginkgo biloba. All right. But yeah, yeah. hey, like I said, it, it just a, it's not really a scene recreation, but he, he kind of matches the, the, the tone and feel of the that theme. moment from the Mandalorian. There you go. Definitely. Uh, well, that's the top five. Thanks, Woo. Matt, for standing in as I was an idiot and completely forgot what day it was. Well, I have a feeling I'll probably be doing it next week too, right? Because you, uh, you're going I, yeah, on a little I'm, vacation, so. I will be in Mexico starting on Sunday. So Taylor and I are going to a nice little resort in Mexico, and we're just going to hang out for a little bit. Right. Well, well, don't we're don't leave the for... resort. Don't get yourselves killed by the uh, cartels and all that yeah. stuff. So. Now, we're planning on just a very chill time in the resort. Um, we're going to, we're not even going to be there a full week. We're coming back on Thursday evening. So we'll be back on Thursday. Is this um, like a, is this of anything significant or is this just making yeah. up for your family fall Disney trip? Cause this is when oh, yeah. you guys this usually is, do the Caminita Disney, isn't it? Yeah, usually, um, usually is, but this was just a Taylor was like, I want to go on a trip somewhere. And I was like, okay, well, if you can find a trip that we can go on for less than $1,500 per person, then let's, we'll do it. And she found this resort in Mexico. So <laughs> well, shit, it's close to you too. It's probably not even a far flight. Yeah. I think it's Austin. only like a two, two and a half yeah. hour All flight right. or so. So. Well, yeah, like uh, I said, don't get, don't get yourselves killed by the cartel. Yeah. Um, no, our plan, we have. The resort shuttle picking us up from the airport and the resort shuttle will bring us back to the airport. And that is the only traveling that we will do. You wear, when we're you there. bringing any Kevlar or anything? Nothing uh, like that. Hopefully, hopefully we won't need it. Yeah. But, uh, All right. Yeah. That's, okay. That's well, as you heard, uh, the Star Wars time show is going to be Nicholas next week, which isn't as bad as being dickless, but it's pretty close. <laughs> uh, so I might, I might work something out with some prior, uh, guests or, or guest hosts uh potentially uh trevor because he and i seem we can have some good headbutts over luthan and if he's a jedi or not but we'll, i'll fun, figure yeah. something out I, I might also just do a solo but I, I feel like for the finale of andor i'm I'm, I'm going to need another voice depending on what happens so stay tuned for that we'll be back there's always time for star wars time but in between now and nick's vacation make sure to get your happy asses over to starwarstime.net even if you're a longtime fan give us a click while you're there maybe even tap on an ad to, to send a penny or so to us since we make zero money 
but more importantly, you go to StarWarsTime.net because that's our content. That's our home base. That's where you can get all of our links to sign up and have some fun with us. So you can subscribe to all of our podcast platforms, which this show um, gets distributed to usually on Wednesdays. So keep an eye out on the iTunes, the Spotify's. We're, we're there. That's why it's easier to just say StarWarsTime.net. Head there. There's a nice subscribe to podcast page. All we ask you to do once you get there and click on a podcast platform, even if you've been there and even if you've done it before, just check. Make sure. Have you rated and or reviewed the show? It's everything for us when it comes to any chance at growth. You know, we can all rely on our friends that have been coming here for so long and family members to to add to our flock. We need some strangers to find it. And the best way to do that is to appease the algorithms. And to do that, you just, as a meatbag, have to say, hey, listen, Apple, hey, Spotify, hey, Pandora, I like this show. Other meatbags may like it. Okay, that's all we need. So keep it up, please. Think about it. If you're listening now and you've never rated or reviewed the show on a podcast platform, do it for us. It'll take two minutes. If you don't like just words and you do want to look at our stupid faces, we also do the live stream. So you can get our YouTube link from StarWarsTime.net. If you scroll down, we got a handy dandy little graphic. Click on subscribe. It'll subscribe for you. You just got to remember to click on the notification icon on YouTube. Those in the live stream, go ahead and hit that like button right now. Leave a comment. Tell me Matt is dumb. Tell me Luthen is this, that, and the other thing. Whatever drives conversation will drive the Star Wars Time Show fandom. Let's do this. We want some more friends. Well, let's get a whole bunch of people to come and play for next year. We got a season of TV to get through, starting with Bad Batch, then Mando. Don't you want more people to jive with? Don't you want to see who will get me angry next? And I'll yell at and lose them as a fan. It's happened. That's why you got to come and play with your friends on the Star Wars Time Show. So there's always time for Star Wars Time. Don't forget it. Hit that StarWarsTime.net. Keep on stumping for your friends. But I'll leave you with this. Enjoy your holidays, families and friends, whatever you got to do. Just remember, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.